Greetings from TG Geeks webcast where Ben and Keith, the two gay geeks, talk about all aspects of geekdom and nerdery. Sci-fi, comics, film, horror, genre, you name it, we talk about it. Find our episodes each week on TGGeeks.com. Visit our Facebook page, TG Geeks Webcast. On Google Plus and YouTube, look for us as Two Gay Geeks. You can tweet at TG Geeks and at the Two Gay Geeks. Or call our feedback line at 469-TG-Geeks. That is 469-844-3357. Happy listening. Peace. Cheers. My name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 50 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. I am really excited to be joined for this very special episode by Nick Kelly of the Geek Wolfpack podcast and uh, author and just all around nice guy. How you doing, Nick? I'm doing great, man. Thank you. This is like bucket list level for me because I am a big fan of the show, so I'm just happy to be here. Well, well, thank you for doing our 50th episode. I couldn't have imagined anybody more appropriate because you have been a big cheerleader for the show, and I was like, you know what? I think we're just going to get together, and we're going to have fun, and uh, I'm, I've been looking forward to it. Uh, checks in the mail. <laughs> Before we get too far in, I want everybody to get to know you a little bit, so go ahead and start off by telling us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I am the founder and co-host of the Geek Wolfpack podcast, which is a fun thing that I get to do with my wife and my son. Um, it's awesome to be able to celebrate being geeky uh, across generations, especially mm-hmm. when the you know the stuff that these kids to do is the stuff that we used to get made fun of for doing. Right. It's so like like he and his teacher last year in middle school started a friggin' D and D club. You know how much crap I took for playing D and D when I was in middle school. It's it's unreal. So. Uh, so we do that. Um, my wife and I write an urban fantasy series together. Her character is a thousand-year-old samurai who hunts demons, and my character is an undercover homicide cop who doesn't believe any of it until he sees it for himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I write the Leon Catwalk caliber cyberpunk series, which is basically a cybernetically enhanced ex-cop who moves out west and just wants to do odd jobs and get paid, and then he runs into some really, really nasty stuff, and he's the only one who can stop it. So... Uh, we do all that and uh, play in a band and work in information security for a living to pay the bills and uh, just generally, uh, you know, love keeping it geek and doing the geeky kind of things that make me such a fan of, of the geek to you guys. Well, I, I've got to say I've, I've been listening to your show and I think it's it really is awesome that you have um, you can share that with your son and your wife. I know I, I really enjoy having students in my class that get into this stuff. And you're right. It's so different than when we were growing up. So completely different. Like and a little bit's the school that I'm at because my my school doesn't have a lot of sports, so it doesn't get as clickish. You don't have the jocks and the cheerleaders and the near, you know. So well, the bad news is then you can't do a slasher movie. Exactly, exactly. But <laughs> well, then maybe that's the good news is that we're we're safe. You know, para, paranormal psycho killers are not going to be interested in our school. But yeah, it's pretty cool to have that ability to see the kids kind of get excited and and have them come in and ask about your favorite video games. Did you see Walking Dead last? 
night. So yeah. Oh, it's it's incredible. I mean, even I guess we'd be jumping ahead, but even just to see the the stuff that's cool mixed with the stuff that would never have been considered cool in the past. Like we're watching Luke Cage and the and the soundtrack is just absolutely amazing, but it's all like old school hip hop and and to say, okay, well that's gonna be the backdrop for a superhero T V show. Mm-hmm. It's just it's you know, worlds colliding in a way that we probably never thought of 10 20 years ago yeah it's pretty cool it's pretty cool now what are your specific areas of geekitude are there things that you tend to uh gravitate toward more than others uh i grew up on comic books so uh, they've kind of gotten away from me because you know comic books back in the day were basically it was marvel and dc and then whatever little things like tales from horror or whatever little other things were around Mm -hmm. um my my introduction to comic books was really it's kind of a cool story so i grew up in philadelphia uh, my, I have an older brother and, uh, my great grandfather on my mom's side came over from Italy and he started two businesses. He started a trucking company and he started a recycling company. And so he passed the business on to his son, my grandfather, who I'm named after. And I remember going up and hanging out with the grandparents and it was like, he would just come home from work with a stack of comic books from the recycling company. Right. So we had all the old star Wars and X-Men before anybody knew who the X-Men were and, and, and daredevil and, you know, just all these different um, comics and yeah, yes, obviously I'm, it sounds like I'm more of a Marvel guy, which I am, but, um, but that was it. I mean, that's how they were just part of life. You know what I mean? Like it was just, mm-hmm. you know, see your grandfather and that kind of stuff. So that was wild. Um, we get, yeah, we see all the movies. Um, I did not see suicide squad, but I've got a little inside tip for you, which is to say this, that the Joker's car is not a Lamborghini that everybody thinks is a Lamborghini. It's actually a Vader V A Y D O R. And I know that because it's my brother's car company. Oh, so, how cool. Yeah, so they actually, Warner Brothers saw the car at a show and bought two of them and painted them pinkish purple or whatever. And, and if you know what happens to the car in the movie, you shed a tear like the rest of us did. But um, so all the yeah, all the movies, all the uh, comic books, definitely all the Netflix shows. My God. Yeah. Uh, and then I I don't know what other areas should I be? Oh, we'll, we'll play Dungeons and Dragons. Obviously, that's half the podcast. <laughs> But I don't know if that's any level of geekitude. The only person who gets credit for any level of anything on that is our, our dungeon master, because God bless him, he's the ultimate straight man. The rest of us are just, I don't know, competing for who can be the most abrasive or something. But it's a it's a good time. So, yeah, I mean, and then working in InfoSec, it's obviously you get exposed to that uh, that tier of people who, you know, mm-hmm. just the, the, the good guy hackers, essentially. So um, what you learn is it's. You know, like if uh, so, yeah, okay. So you know, so you so you teach drama, right? So you understand right. when you're watching the show, you understand that if somebody's turned downstage and they should be turned upstage, or like you know, all those little things that you just when you direct, you just kind of see them, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's the curse of working in infosec, which is when you're watching these shows, you're they're just not realistic, right? So you're like, right, I mean, right, great that they can solve every crime in 54 minutes, but um, yeah, no, that's not actually how you hack that. You know what I mean? So. Uh, so turning that off a little bit, but um, but it's fun. I mean, I love it. So I got in the. That's that's funny because that's what my husband does, but with geography. Like he'll see something on television and be like, "Well, that couldn't possibly be taking place there." Like there, um, I don't know if you ever watched Suburbia. Mm-hmm. He loved Suburbia, but he couldn't get past the fact that it was supposed to take place in like a, a Jersey suburb, and right. he's like, "Those are citrus trees." That that. <laughs> that does not take place in suburb. Like, no, he's like, that is not New Jersey because <laughs> he's from New Jersey. So he was right. like, like, he can't get past that. <laughs> yeah. There, you sort of have to know, right? Like, as soon as you see Michael Bay's directing that, you go, OK, well, throw that out the window, right? There's, yeah. There's... Just turn your brain off and let it go. <laughs> right. Exactly. But um, but you get a show like Person of Interest, which ended this year. And 
I mean, the stuff that they brought up was all it all happened, like mm-hmm. the Stuxnets and all those different. I'm just like, wow, they have somebody doing research for them. I don't know who's on staff, but they do it. They did a good job with that. So, uh, unlike apparently, Scorpion sucks because that's what the average geek show guys were complaining about last time I looked episode. So, ding to those guys. Oh yeah, no, my my husband couldn't get through two episodes of that, and he's like, this is not going to be one we watch. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I couldn't disagree with him. I mean, it was the premise was awesome, and the characters were fun, but it was like there wasn't even an attempt to be um, realistic. It was just so far out. There. It's like, how extreme can we make this? And in the process, it lost all believability. Well, the preview for the next season, they're airing those commercials now, and it's the hackers are launching missiles at people. I'm like, okay, all right, yeah, whatever, sure. What? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, any places where you feel like you're not as um, not as competent in your geekitude? Um, yeah, you know, as I mentioned, I'm a huge fan of the show. Right. So when you had um, you had the, the only living boy author on, right, it just kind of pointed out to me that I was in the indie comic world for a really short time. Actually, Catwalk's first story is on it is in a Independent Voices 3 back in 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've kind of gotten away from it. It's kind of the, the curse of everything becoming everything nerdy becoming mainstream is sort of like now I can watch the mainstream stuff and not be a niche player anymore, which is kind of weird. But um, I feel like I've, I sort of still need that little I want the thing that nobody else. You know what right. I mean? Right, right. Yeah, which again is why, you know, when, when, when I listen to, to you and I listen to the Average Geek Show guys and I listen to Dungeons and Dragons and you guys have these indie authors on and everything, I'm like, oh, I miss that world so much because we don't, we go to the cons and we go to the fests and all that stuff, but it's typically, we're not, I don't know, I don't know, we're not an Arthur, uh, author alley like we say. So I guess it, maybe it's a little nice. Well, there's so much stuff out there. It's like, it's impossible to, to be you know, in tune with all of it. And every once in a while you'll find that little gem or somebody will recommend that little gem. I mean, that's why I have the, one of the questions that I ask every week with like, what's not popular, but you're excited about, because it's kind of fun to, to find those things that, that nobody else really knows about, but it's harder and harder because even when you do find it, trying just, just trying to keep up with other, all the other stuff, you don't have time for it. Yeah, I, I I contributed, wrote, interviewed, whatever you want to call it, to a, a website called HorrorView.com, and they're still around. Um, I just don't work there anymore. But um, but I was the indie guy for a number of years, and so I got to people still send me stuff. Uh, but it was you know you'd watch, let's say out of a hundred DVDs that people sent you, like ninety would be eh, they're okay. Mm-hmm. Five would be horrid. Like, why did I give that 60 minutes of my life? And then the other five would be like, oh, my God, that was so good. People need to hear about it. And uh, and those are those are the ones that make the rest of it worthwhile, you know. And I'm, I'm sure it's the same in comics. I'm sure it's the same, uh, you know, some of the, the TV offshoots that people just don't know about. Or yeah. <clears throat> Very cool. Now, do you have a favorite fandom that you kind of gravitate towards? Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, uh, you know, I'm a cyberpunk guy through and through. So, like, uh, the you know, the fact that they're making another Blade Runner could either be the worst thing ever or it could be, oh, my God, thank you so much for doing this, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I I, I kind of dabble in all of it. Um, we love the superhero movies. We love the Netflix stuff. Gosh, I know I said that already, but um, and I still read comics either on the iPad or, or go to a comic shop. I got a buddy who owns a shop in uh, northern Virginia. If you guys ever come to northern Virginia, go to Painted Visions Comics. Um, so you can't really buy anything from them online. So don't worry about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No. So I, I just kind of I think I kind of touch all of it. It's it's. It's very rewarding when you get away from something for a long time and then you sort of find it again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I know everybody got a chill when Star Wars, the Lucasfilm logo popped up for Force Awakens, right? And then the music started and we were like, oh, holy crap, this is really happening, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I'm, 
had the same sort of vibe. I don't know if it was on that tail, probably not. But like the fact that Daredevil is a thing, right? Like, I'm, yeah, it's so super. And and even then, getting back to D and D, where yeah, just looking on the screen because we play on Roll20.net. If you guys have ever played that, it's fantastic. Um, <clears throat> but like this is me and my buddies. This is not only just me and my buddies hanging out, but this is me and my family playing Dungeons and Dragons. It's so crazy that that's a thing, right? But yeah, um, yeah, it's it's just wild to. And I know that's kind of all over the road, but that's sort of how my brain works. Yeah, no, I, I'm I, I'm impressed by the uh, the fact that I always I always am impressed by people who can sit down and do a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. I ran one at my school with uh, another teacher and a couple of seniors one year, yeah. and. Um, we had a fun time, and I DM'd, and I kind of knew what I was doing, but we just kind of made it up as we went along. But it's so hard to commit to something like that. I'm trying to uh, to convince uh, another podcaster to uh, to run a game. I'm like, dude, I will I will back end all the all the technology you need to run in it. We can record it, whatever you want to do. All you have to do is show up and tell the story. And he's like, uh, I don't know. So we keep, we keep kind of uh, tossing the ball back and forth. And it's like, well, maybe when my kids get a little older, I'm like, that's a long time from now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I, it's everybody. <clears throat> so that opinion that you just mentioned is everybody. Like we all like it's, it's kind of like everybody wants to play tag, but nobody wants to be it, right? So everybody wants right. to play indie, but nobody wants to be the guy responsible for having to put together the campaign and track everything and and um and Ron and I I, I mentioned him with a lot of praise. And by the way, he's also one of the best bass players. Um, nice. yeah, he is meticulous, but he's an engineer. Like to he just has this skill set. It's crazy. So for us to play, it's nothing because he's got everything macroed. And if it's not in there this week, it'll be in there next week. Next week, right? So. Um, he's just that guy, you know, you get this personality type where some people just like to party and some people just need to, you know, want to help other people. And some people just want to be the, the organized guy. And that's the best dungeon master to have. It's the uber organized dude. And we have one. <laughs> that's perfect. Cause yeah, that's not me, but I, I tend to be the one that is like, well, if it's going to happen, I'll have to run it. <laughs> and I just, I'm like, I've promised myself I'm not doing that anymore, but, uh, you know, so again, if anybody's out there that wants to start a campaign, Probably online because it's the only way I'm going to be able to do it. But uh, I'm just throwing way. that out there. It's the only way. And and you know we have local friends who've said forever, yeah, man, it would be great to do that. But local or not, um, roll twenty. It's very very cool. It's very easy. The tutorials are good, and you can just you can get it going. And it, then it just comes down to schedules, right? Yeah. Because yeah. adulting, <laughs> <laughs> adulting sucks. <laughs> um, we had mentioned this question before, but now let's actually ask it. What is something out there that a lot of people aren't aware of that you're a big fan of and think people should know? Um, so there's one, probably my favorite indie horror movie. It's not really, it is horror, I guess. We talked about slasher movies twice already. There's something horrible going on in this podcast. Uh, <laughs> so, and I have the, I have a mask on the wall. So there was a, a movie that came out a number of years ago. I, I don't want to say how far back now, because it's not necessarily new, but still a lot of people don't know about it. So, um, there's a guy named Scott Glosserman who wrote and directed this movie. It's called Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, and it stars Nathan Basil. So if Nathan listens to this, hoorah, he's awesome. Um, but it also has like Robert England and uh, a couple other people. So, uh, um, oh my God, Scott Wilson from The Walking Dead. And there's just, it's, it's just loaded. The premise of the movie is this. It's, if you've ever watched like VH1's Behind the Music, where uh -huh. they, here's the band and here's all the stuff that happened with the band. Uh, you know, Motley Crue injected cocaine and well, I don't know whatever the hell people did. I, you, you name it, right? So they follow a band and it's all behind the behind the con. So it's that 
but it's following this guy Leslie Vernon, who his his mission in life is to be the next great slasher, like Mike Myers and Jason Voorhees and all the slasher flicks from the eighties and Freddy Krueger, right? So, uh-huh. um, so th- it's this reporter and her two camera guys who are following him as he he's, he does the whole setup. He's like, oh, this group's perfect because they've got you know the two jocks and the two nerds and the two uh, stoners and and this is and he goes through the whole setup and then about an hour into the movie it actually flips over into the execution of, of pun intended of, of how he's going to lay out his plan. Uh-huh. And it's just brilliant. Um, Glosserman wrote his master's thesis on the difference between the book and the movie of the shining to give you an idea of like how into horror this guy is. And, and he just got the, the greatest, like most charismatic leading man and then, uh, and then let it rip. And, you know, it's an hour and a half. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a fun take on on all those you know popcorn slasher movies that that that, are, that were so 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 popular uh, in the eighties and have all been remade I think since then but um, definitely worth worth checking out and I think that they're still hoping praying to do before the mask which would be the prequel but I don't know that that's happening I, last I was kind of in limbo last time I heard but behind the mask the rise of Leslie Vernon would be something everybody who has ever you know gone on a date and watched a stupid slasher film should check that out. That sounds awesome. That sounds like a lot of fun. It's really great. It really is. I can't. I can't say it. It was like one of those indie films where you're just like, oh, I sat through you know 20 pieces of crap because of you. So thank you. <laughs> <clears throat> so you've got the Geek Wolf Pack going on. What else do you have going on? So we're in full swing writing. Um, we released book two of the Urban Samurai series in June. Uh, actually, we shared a book birthday with uh, T. Morris and Pitt Ballantyne, our buddies from the Share Desk podcast, um, and they write the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences. So they had uh, the Ghost Rebellion released the same day that our book, uh, Knee, which is the second book, obviously, right? Um, and then we're working on book three in that series. And then the third book in the Catwalk series, Mercy Killing, will be out on Halloween because I like to release things on Halloween. That's awesome. uh, yeah, so we got those two going. And then I owe – oh, I don't want to say it on air, but I'm going to. I owe T and Pippa's story for the uh, Tales from the Archives. So I have to get that done too so that's a different character that i'm writing on the side that now that i think about it when we get done recording tonight i should probably that story too so (laughs) um and then i'll have my first audio anything out because i did a flash fiction thing for the melting podcast which is uh af greppen and aaron kasmark uh they're uh the two most positive people on the planet um you'd probably be the third (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah they 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 put out little writing prompts and uh and we were at the beach and they just wrote something for one of theirs so but they're going to record the audio for us that's a good podcast also that's cool i i'm gonna have to add it to my ever-growing list um i i keep i keep looking at the time dates on the the podcast that I'm listening to and I'm I'm about two weeks behind everybody. So I'm like, okay, somewhere in here, I have to find like a day where I can just like get housework done or something and listen to podcasts yeah. so I can catch up. Uh, I, I mow the lawn. Like that's a two hour endeavor. We have a lot of space. So like I got to just uh, take the push mower out and just kind of, I can crank through a podcast or two doing that. Um, I actually dropped one from my rotation because of the second project that you're working on. So I'm going to put you on the spot here with <laughs> uh, State of the Geek, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, I was listening to it and, and the I don't listen to many podcasts that don't fit into the sort of geek realm, like everybody that I've heard either on your show or Shared Desk or WEC or um, on all those different spots and, and high to the podcast people because they're fun. Yeah, um, they are. But there was one that was geeky, but it wasn't positive. It's just like there's the snark's fun, but, you know, snark with an edge that is just not meant to <clears throat> to be positive mm-hmm. or to lift people up, I think is it's just the wrong energy. And I was listening to this and it occurred to me that there's one or two 
people on this podcast that are repeatedly that way mm-hmm. and then then I sort of equated that that energy with their that voice and then I couldn't listen to that person anymore. so I was like all right you know what that's fine I give you some money on Patreon and you guys do a good job and you're very professional but uh, I got to spend my time you know invested in stuff that's that's going to make things more positive across the board yeah it's it's just hard when you know i <laughs> i dated a guy who was very very negative and i'm just like you know you're you're great in all other aspects but you got to smile once in a while <laughs> yeah i had a, a coworker uh i won't name names but i had a coworker and he would he would ask me he would go i'm going to send this email to somebody Keep, will you read it first and even without reading it i would tell him take out the last line because I knew like he would make a valid point and he would make it and he would state it really, really well. And then he would say something really crappy at the end. And I'm like, it, it all works until you have that last, I have to get the last word in. So yeah. just, like, I'm not even going to read it. Just take out the last line. And about two or three times I said that to me, eventually he would do it himself. So yeah, you just got to, you know, the negative Nancy's of the world. There's like, you know, what did I say? You're the, you're the sum of the five closest people in your life, right? So don't stick around people who are, who are negative all the time. That's a really good saying. I don't think I've heard it, but that's that's pretty cool. It's not mine. Uh, I'll have to find. I'll have to credit whoever. I'll find it. But um, I think I read it in a John Maxwell book. With that. But yeah, I mean, if you think about it, right? You wouldn't. That guy you dated, he was negative all the time. If you could, you imagine living like every day with that person? It would be horrible. Yeah, you just start. You would start becoming negative. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, we don't need that. No, not at all. State of the geek. <laughs> yes. I'm excited. I told you, man, if you want to turn it into a book when you have enough content, Station, I will be happy to help make that happen. I, w- I will let you know. We, we recorded uh, episode zero on Tuesday, and uh, I don't know. We're, we're going to get ourselves into trouble, Nick. We're going to get ourselves into big trouble because oh, wait. <laughs> because Kelly and I don't hold back, and we get all a little political. And, well, not a little political. We just get full-on political. So I uh, don't mind that at all. I tend not to, but uh, I will say this. This is this is all I'm going to say about politics. Uh, a week from tomorrow, I'm the best man in a gay wedding. So you can take that at, how, at Disney because, you know, if you're going to do a gay wedding, you got to go full on, right? Full Disney. Right. So, yeah. So I think that'll probably tell you where I see politics, and we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for sharing yourself with us a little bit. Um, yeah. We're going to move on to the geeky stuff that we have done this week and um i just recorded 49 yesterday so my week has consisted of one day oh. and uh that one day has been more geeky than my entire previous week <laughs> possibly my previous two weeks put together awesome um yesterday i just kind of looked at my husband i was like i need a day so um i i played wow for like three or four hours which was wonderful because the new expansion which could possibly be my favorite expansion that they've ever released has been out for exactly a month and I have played four days. <laughs> oh man. I know you love Warcraft. That's I hear it. I do. And so it's like, it just kills me because a lot of my podcasts are Warcraft podcasts and I'm hearing all these people. Oh my God, it's amazing. And I'm like, yes, it is. I wish I could play right now, but no lifing. So, um, Oh, you had a you had a couple of people on from a Warcraft podcast that I listened to a week a week ago, two weeks ago. I don't know. It, it dovetailed into a pinball conversation, which to me I love. I love. I grew up playing pinball. Oh yeah, that was uh, Jules Marcon from the Torin Think Tank, and uh, yeah, Jules is a huge pinball fan. So anytime I I see pinball, I think of her. But uh, but yeah, I finally got into that, and the storytelling is in this expansion is just heart wrenching and. Uh, amazing and it's crazy. So I, I'm I'm thoroughly addicted to that. And any chance I get to play, I, I am. Um, That's cool. Yeah. I also started reading Deadpool versus Gambit, 
which is the most ridiculous comic book I think I have ever read ever. Deadpool like, uh, amped up to the you know up to, to uh, ours go to eleven Spinal Tap type of Deadpool. Yes, absolutely. It's like because they play off each other so well. Like it's not even like Gambit is playing the straight man. He's just they're both they're just both completely incompetent at what they do and yet really good at what they do all at the same time. So it's like they can execute it well. They just can't plan it on the front end. I hope, 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 hope that they get Gambit right in the movie. Well, well, like I've said, and, and maybe I, I said it a little bit more on the on episode 49, which which isn't quite out yet. But um, we're next weekend. Ray from all my oh, uh, yep. movie spoiler podcasts and yep. Kelly from Mating Habits and I are going to sit down and we are going to come up with our version of the Gambit movie because we're all pretty sure that the Channing Tatum version is not either not going to happen or when it does, it's just going to be so sad. So you're going to, you guys are going to cast it. You guys going to do plot and director. Exactly. Exactly. We're going to kind of just outline exactly what we would want to see if we were going to make a Gambit movie. And this is part of my research is, is looking at what, you know, this new thing he's doing is, um, so I've got I've got ideas I've got some notes we've we've promised not to show our notes to to each other until because you know I I send you my show notes and you write yeah, yeah, stuff yeah, in yeah. and I'm like don't write anything in the document just like put it in a separate document or because part of the fun will be the surprise of saying I think so and so should play Gambit what how did you think that you know oh it's gonna be great I can't wait so uh, yeah I'm, I'm I think I'm with you I haven't listened to 49 because you haven't listened obviously but. Um, yeah, Channing Tatum. Um, I'm sure he was great in Magic Mike. I haven't watched it. Uh, I thought he was. I thought he did a good job in uh, GI Joe for the popcorn movie that was. Mm-hmm. But we were channel flipping yesterday, and that that alien movie where he's uh, rollerblading through space came on, and I was like, Yeah, I'm gonna go water so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a fan of his his lighter stuff. He was great in um, Twenty One Jump Street, but I he's trying to Ryan Reynolds Gambit, and Ryan Reynolds could Ryan Reynolds. Um, Deadpool because he is Deadpool. How like, amazing was that? I can't even read Deadpool without hearing Ryan Reynolds now. You know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like he just he is the character. He didn't have to change anything. That's that's his humor. It's always been his humor. Uh, um, oh, but yeah, because I think it, his audition reel might as well have been Blade Trinity. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just yeah. watching that character and you're like, wow, this guy's fantastic. But but that's just not the case for Channing Tatum. And and part of one of the last question I have on our list of things to think about for that episode is what what Marvel character will you give uh Channing Tatum to make up for the fact that you're taking Gambit away from him. Oh. And it's hard because there's not a lot left and there's not a lot that I think Oh, there's plenty. There are plenty left. Let's oh, be there's honest. plenty of left. There's plenty right. left, but none that I necessarily go. Yes, that's Channing Tatum. I have one in mind, but it's it's cut and so. Okay. Uh, now I got to listen to the cast. Okay. I mean, <laughs> you know what? For every time that I sit here and go, I don't know if they're going to be able to get that right. There, the the answer to me is like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you expect that they were going to have Negasonic Teenage Warhead in a movie? Like what? Hold on. So. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, um, and shout out to T.J. Storm, who's a, a buddy of ours, who's a stunt guy in uh, in Hollywood. He was one of the mocap guys for a Colossus. Nice, good dude. He was Godzilla too. That's gotta be fun. Yeah, but he, never, you know, the thing with T.J. I hope you're listening. Er, uh, is he never releases the news about what he what he's in until it it releases like live. Like he didn't say anything about being in Deadpool until Deadpool. So you gotta do a better job. Though. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, I think both of us have uh, have some Luke Cage experience under our belt, so I'm gonna I'm gonna toss it over to you. What did you do to keep it geeky this week? So 
God bless the Netflix and Marvel relationship. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that there's so much that they get right on Netflix, and 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 you know maybe it's the it's the freedom of the studio. I I don't know. I know that I being a Daredevil guy, I love what they've done with the Daredevil series. So I thought series one was great as a um uh, as a as a you know an origin story kind of thing, right? Introducing all the characters and everything else. I I, I've, I don't think I've seen anything as an entire TV series season, whatever you want to call it, better than than season two of Daredevil. Yeah. But John Bernthal, I, it just can't be said enough. You know what I mean? That as the Punisher, that he just went at that role with so much, um, you know, reverence and respect for for what that the character means to so many people. So, and it was brilliant that you get sort of the philosophical differences between Daredevil and the Punisher together in uh, in episode three, season two, episode three, where they're arguing back and forth. And essentially, you know, Daredevil's uh, he's just so Catholic. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, right? So, and then obviously you know, the Punisher's got revenge on his mind so just i love what they've done there i i I really enjoyed jessica jones and i think that's probably about the writing and the casting more than my familiarity with her but i did catch uh a lot of the crossovers into the the luke cage i think we're seven episodes in to give you an idea like how quickly we're just eating this thing up because it's great um and whoever made the decision to to make the night nurse the tie-in between all of the glue that keeps them all together is really neat. And if you haven't gotten that far ahead when they, when Claire shows up, you'll, you'll, you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of hers and uh, we're, we're only two episodes in, so we're, we're falling far behind, but I think we're going to, we're going to save her just partly out of necessity and partly out of it'll last longer that way. <laughs> do that. Cause I had a buddy of mine, my buddy, Luis, and he told me, Hey man, don't watch all the daredevil days. And I did. And I have watched it a couple times since, but yeah, yeah. You know, slow your roll a little bit right kind of you space it out and then it's all it's all worth it it's totally worth it and um if you're two episodes you got a lot that's gonna happen um yeah so what did you think of luke cage the two episodes that you- i i love it i'm i'm excited about misty night um i i immediately went to i mean i knew she was coming in but i, I just didn't think about it too much going into it and so as i'm sitting there watching we, we tend to watch with our phones and imdb open up uh so that we can kind of look up all these people and what else they've been in and and who else is coming up and i'm like okay well they've got misty knight are they going to have colleen wing and uh and so yeah colleen wing is going to be in um iron fist the thing you can't do though is is if you're especially with imdb and i love imdb by the way is you can't look at um the cast uh-huh look at the number of episodes Cause yeah, that, yeah, and you're like, oh, are they gonna whack such and such? Oh man, I can't, I can't look right. So you have to kind of, you know, go to the trivia of stuff. That's fine, but but you got to watch when you're looking at the cast member. Yeah, absolutely. You got to be very careful when you. Yeah, no, I I I completely agree with you. You're one of the first <laughs> people who thought. I'm like, I must be the only person who like tries to cover up the number of episodes they're in when they're looking. Oh no, no, that's me every time. Yeah, but I loved it. I thought it was fun. And, you know, again, my husband doesn't care for the Netflix series as much. He, he can get into it, but for him, it's very dark. And, um, Wait. yeah, and this one, he actually kind of was like, I, I'm enjoying this a lot more than, than the previous ones. I think he liked the first half of Jessica Jones a little bit because there was this kind of snarky humor to it. Yep. Um, but I didn't even have him watch the second scene of Daredevil because he's, he doesn't like violence and, and oh, yeah, no. <laughs> I was like, dude, the Punisher's in this one. Let's just not. Yeah, you're going to want to, yeah, you're going to like that. Luke Cage is, a, it's a little lighter. There's a lot of, uh, of banter going on. And it, the thing that's fun for us is that, um, <clears throat> is that for my job, actually, New York's like dead center of my uh, area that I cover. So, <clears throat> so I've had the, the, opportunity to take station took me twice in the last year ish and go to hell's kitchen 
or in this case, we stayed at the uh, the Upper West Side last time, and it was, hey, we're like two blocks from the Ghostbusters building. Let's go check it out. So, um, you know, finding all these places where they film things or where things have been set and, and getting a chance to check it out. It's been fun. That is cool. I, I may have to, to talk my husband into doing that next time we go because, you know, he's from New Jersey. So we're we're back on the East Coast quite often. Oh, cool. You know, a couple times a year. So um, that, that may be, a, you know, he's always looking for, for sightseeing opportunities that are off a little off the beaten path. So I think that might be a, a good strategy. Yeah, I, I did a blog on the Ghostbuster stuff because I took pictures of that. And then there's a, a couple places in Central Park that are, you know, the Avengers and Ghostbusters and all that stuff. And you, you can look up, there's plenty of sites that have, you know, where they film this or where they film that. So it might be something fun to do. Mm-hmm. Well, what else? What else have you done this week? Uh, so I know you're a Warcraft guy. Mm-hmm. Um, the most recent DLC for Destiny, The Rise of Iron, uh, mm-hmm. came out. And um, when we play Destiny, and I say we because I almost never play it solo, uh, it's always usually the three of us. And but the three of us, I mean, it's it's me, it's uh, Nobilis Reed, and uh, T. Morris. And and we should have bowling shirts, I swear to God, with our Destiny stuff on it. <laughs> at five. Uh, and Nobilis is awesome because he is uh, the Wikiridia. I mean, he knows everything about whatever game he's playing. Like, so he's just, it's like having a strategy guy that's that's going through the game with you and, and telling you where to go and what to do right so which is good because i just play a titan and tank life it and just run in and punch things in the face and get killed and t god bless him uh there's something about this game that just absolutely makes him lose all sense of direction so, <laughs> dude, where are you going like so there's always that but but you know um but it's it's a blast and we did the first set of story missions uh last weekend and we were supposed to play it Last night, and I got all into Luke Cage, so sorry. Um, so yeah, so that's video game-wise I've been playing. That, I've been playing um, the Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens, which if anybody wants the backstory on that, listen to our podcast. Um, and then a little bit of Overwatch, but not that much. And I think uh, the big rumor is, <clears throat> you know, you've seen Overwatch. Yeah, I was actually in the beta and haven't played much since. <laughs> okay. I kind of burnt myself out because it was like, I don't know. Repetitive. Well, it wasn't just repetitive. It was like that's all I did for like three weeks. Well, that'll do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So over the summer, they actually had a thing where when you level up and you can get your surprise box or whatever the hell they call it, um, is they had uh, Summer Olympics skins and things like that. So the the big rumor now is that they're going to do the same thing for Halloween. So let me play a little more just to see if I can get, you know, a limited edition, whatever. But um, but yeah, but that's been it. And then um, what else? We decorated for Halloween yesterday because it's finally October. And uh, oh, I'll go back into um, to uh, Jules. We w- so when I was in Texas uh, last week, we found a place called Free Play. Uh-huh. And God bless the folks at Free Play because they gave me like a million coasters and stickers and everything else. Um, you pay ten bucks to get in, and they have a ton of retro games and, and pinball. And uh, they had the Adams Family, which is my favorite pinball machine. Nice. Um, yeah, and uh, and you just you play everything. It doesn't cost you anything. It's a ten buck cover charge, and then you know they have you know, burgers and beer and whatever else. But that was fun to play some of the old school stuff. So, yeah, so we did that. I guess that counts as Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, very cool. It sounds like it was a, a fun, geeky week all the way around. Yeah, and uh, and I have to say um, one more shout-out, which is uh, to the Nerd Out app, because Dallas is one of the cities that's covered in there. So I found a, a comic shop that I didn't know about thanks to the Nerd Out app. So thanks to L. Yeah. It's it's really a lot of fun. I when we went back to we were in Philly um, over Labor Day weekend and we were kind of looking through the different things that they had out there. We didn't have a chance to. It was it was a whirlwind trip. But uh, I'm like, well, there's there there are quite a few things out here. We'll have to check it out next time we're around. 
Yeah. Well, that's my hometown, so let me know when you guys are up there. We'll come up, especially if there's a hockey game. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We're going to transition into just a quick uh, mention of Palm Springs Comic Con. I'm, I'm just going to mention it every week because it is coming up November 19th and 20th at the Hard Rock Hotel in Palm Springs. Should be a lot of fun. I'm going to be there. Um, hopefully some of the podcasters that you're used to hearing about on my show will be there. We're going to try and have a little meetup and, and that kind of stuff. So get that on your schedules. We're, we're looking forward to yet another convention. Yeah, I don't think we have any uh, cons on the schedule. I know um, probably the one that we will go to, it's not really a con, it's it's called the Aaron Scare. Uh-huh. It's at the uh, the Udvar Hazy Air and Space Museum Annex, which is out by Dulles Airport in uh, Northern Virginia. And basically, it gives the kids the opportunity to trick or treat in the museum, the Air and Space Museum. And That's really awesome. Yeah, and for the uh, the five hundred first garrison in Virginia here, that's it's their big thing. So they'll have I think one hundred and fifty stormtroopers and Imperial people, and should be interesting. We'll have to talk about. It. I think I have one of our categories is favorite yeah favorite holidays so we'll have to talk a little bit more about that when we get down into our favorites but um there's one thing i do not like about living in palm springs is that there are no children out here which often is a good thing because i'm around children all day but (laughs) uh, you know so normally i would never complain about there not being many children around but it puts a complete bummer on Halloween because there's no trick-or-treating. We were just talking about that last night and we were like, we would love to decorate our house and go like all out, but there's just no point. Nobody, nobody would ever see it. Nobody would ever care. Yeah. We, we have to bring the party to us because we live on a little private drive and it, it's, it's spaced out enough that if people are going to do trick-or-treating, they're just not coming down this road. Right. Um, but with Halloween being a Monday, we'll just do something the Saturday before and, and you know, my kid will be able to bring a bunch of people over and we'll see, you know, how many guns and swords gets broken in the mix as always. But, you know, <laughs> it's Halloween. It's kids. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I thought we were going to have a slow news time because I, I I'm recording this the day after 49, episode 49. But you found some some nice nuggets of, of news that I had not seen and I'm actually very excited to talk about. So thank you for that. Oh, I, I told you, I will overdo the notes to every extent and any podcast, even our own. We There's a whiteboard right here next to my head that we're like, OK, so all that's got to get written down, too. <laughs> so uh, let's start off with uh, the news that Marvel uh, is they've they've hired a showrunner for their Cloak and Dagger series. Oh, I'm so excited. And that's uh, John Ziffrin. Oh, man. Uh, now, what yep. has he worked on before? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to go look. Uh, I was just so super excited that there's actually, um, momentum going for Cloak and Dagger to actually be a TV show. And I don't know that I trust it on Freeform. I'm sure it's, you know, kind of, uh, Teen Wolfish or whatever else. I don't know what else is on that. I just love the fact that those two characters who have been in, I don't know, on the fringes of being anything in the Marvel Universe for a long time, uh, may actually, you know, get some screen time. So, uh, for the, anybody who doesn't know, Cloak and Dagger, they were two runaway kids, and they got experimented on with these drugs. And he uh, has this darkness inside of them that he always needs to feed, and she has a light energy that can feed the darkness. And if she doesn't feed his darkness, then he winds up sort of eating people's souls. That's not oversimplification, but just go with me on it. Um, and so it's always they're sort of forced to be together all the time, which is you can imagine. You know, we talked about like negativity earlier, right? Uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. You imagine like. You're you have light powers and you have to be around the guy who's darkness all the time, right? So interesting um, pairing there. But um, I don't know. I don't have IMDb open. What's the John Ziffer done? Let me go look. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna, I, while, while you look, um, 
I've got to say, I've always loved. I, I don't know Cloak and Dagger that well. Like I haven't delved into their their history or anything. But I've always loved the characters when they've appeared in other comics. Um, the, their character designs are probably some of the most amazing characters designs Marvel's ever done. Like I just the the look of the characters is phenomenal, and uh, I hope they stick with that when they do the TV series because they're just. I don't know. They're just very cool-looking superheroes, and their story is very awesome. I, I don't know if you ever listened to um, uh, Jay and Miles explain the X-Men, but they'll talk about uh, Cloak and Dagger when when they cross over into the X-Universe, and they, they've done quite a few times. Uh, they they tend to be better in other people's books, and I think that's part of the reason why their comic never took off, is their stories just were never well-promoted or, or you know, for, for some reason they're better guest stars so i'm yeah, a little like, like a limited four issue or six issue kind of story right we do that yeah exactly so i i, I i'm interested to see what direction they go that's going to keep them interesting it sounds like they're going to go like kind of superhero romance which is an interesting take uh so i, I it's it's just a very intriguing series for me. I think based on looking at John Ziffrin's uh, uh, IMDb page, I think that's exactly the direction that they're going. So um, he's produced a million things, including Young and Hungry, Switched at Birth, Mystery Girls, Melissa and Joey, and blah, blah, blah. Um, heart to Heart, if you want to go way back, take the Wayback Machine. Wow. But he was also a producer on the Larry Sanders show, so suddenly I have hope. <laughs> well, it'll be interesting. Like, like I said, I think they're fun characters, but... I don't know. I guess that's the cool thing about it is they can pretty much do whatever. In fact, that's what this article says. It's like this, these characters are so not well known that they can pretty much do whatever they want, and there's going to be very little kickback. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think I, I'm, I am a big fan of the characters and have been for a long time. But I think even if they didn't quote unquote get it right, I think I'd be fine. Yeah. Uh, just to see, you know, I don't know how Freeform is going to handle uh, a superhero source material, but. You know, nobody knew what Netflix was going to do, and maybe this will be more your husband speed because it's—I would guarantee it's going to not be as dark. Yeah, <laughs> but Freeform don't don't they do the uh, the Moral Instruments uh, Shadowhunters series? Is that on Freeform? Yeah, yeah. All right, I'll have to ask, I'll have to ask about that. I I like the books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so that's there. Um, I, I I will I will be interested to to hear your take on it when it comes out because again I think you're much more familiar with the characters than I am. So. Oh yeah, yeah. love it. Um, yeah, so that'll be interesting. And they're New York based, at least. Mm-hmm. If, so there's the you know there's always the uh, the chance that you know there'll be some other characters to pop up because Marvel has a lot of people in New York. Although I think I read somewhere in this article that they were doing it in L.A. They were setting it. I don't know if they were setting it in L.A. or they're just filming it in L.A. But yeah, right. Um, I'm not sure where they're going to set it. I I guess you read deeper in that article than I did. I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was well. That was part of the. Um, I guess they were originally thinking of doing it as kind of post Katrina New Orleans, but they thought that that was going to be too dark. Yeah, you know the characters. Uh, um, circumstances are dark enough. I don't think you need to. No, no, not at all. Yeah, the gritty look of anything like that. So I'll I'll, I'll hit the next news bulletin while you're looking that up, so that we're not uh, doing a lot of ums and uhs and hold ons. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so <clears throat> since it's October, we have uh, a lot of opportunities here where I live. There's so much history in Northern Virginia that the ghost tours have started, back. and uh, there are we do this every weekend in October. At least uh, at least the kid and I go out. 
and we have a little fishing town called Akaquan, which is has been flooded twice. So there's some great ghost stories there. They do a walking tour. There's uh, the Weems Bots Museum, which does one that has <clears throat> it's essentially a Civil War battle. Mm-hmm. So you know you can imagine how many ghosts are floating around there. Yeah. Uh, the, one of the of the highlights last year was we went to that that walk. And there, there are a million of them. There's one downtown D.C. That, that talks about Abigail Adams and a bunch of stuff. There's Fredericksburg. There's just every weekend and, and a couple of days during the week, you can go to all these things. But the Weems Spots one we went to last year. And at one point, you go into the house where the family who owned the land lived. And uh, and they had a, a mentally handicapped daughter that they kept upstairs. Uh-huh. So she has this little one-bedroom attic area. And uh, and it's really it's really really cramped. I'm six foot tall, so it's tough for me to even get up the little set of stairs and into the room. And her doll is on the bed, and so like of course they set it up like oh um, sometimes you know she'll blink or she'll move or she'll be in a different location, and everybody on the tour is like staring at this doll like uh what's it gonna do? And so one guy goes, can we turn off the lights? So <laughs> 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 we're like. I was closest to the stairs, so I said, sure, why not, right? So, um, yeah, so then we're just staring in the dark, and then as soon as they turn the lights back, and we're like, did the doll move? Did the doll blink? Did the doll <laughs> So it was one of those um, one of those things that was uh, fun. So we have the historical ones, and then we have the ones that are set up like the haunted hayrides and, and let me scare you kind of things. And we have one <clears throat> we have one nearby that, that we, we have driven past a bunch of times, and we were like, oh, we should go check that out. But we never went. And then a friend of mine went and she came back and she was just livid, just angry, angry, angry. And we thought, oh, it must have not been scary or, or you know, whatever's going on. And said, so, yeah, hey, what happened? And she goes, well, you go when she finally calmed down. Said, OK, so you go on, you pay your money and you go and there's you're walking through the woods and there's all these different setups of like, you know, the horrific truck accident or the you get caught in the woods and, and you get burned alive or like what all these different like horrible things that could happen to you. Right. Mm-hmm. As, as, as you're supposed to get scared of these things. And then she said at the end, it opens up into this big, like um big, huge area. And they've got like a bonfire going in the middle. And then they tell you at that point that all those horrible things are going to happen to you if you don't find Jesus. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> but they don't bill it that way. They just bill it as a haunted walk. And then all of a sudden they, they throw the, the, you know, come find Jesus, be saved. I'm fine. Look, I love my Jesus freaks. I love my Jesus lovers. I love my my religious people. But, um, you know, you don't want to get bait and switched when you go to a car dealership. You damn sure don't want to do it when you're on a haunted walk. Right. So. Right. 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 So have you ever seen the um, it's a documentary Hell House? um, No, I don't think so. Um, I highly recommend it because it's it's a documentary on on the evangelistic uh, haunted houses that are exactly that. Like it goes oh, through and okay. tells you all the reasons why you're going to go to hell. And then there's an altar call and they, they do this documentary and it would be, um, it would be funny if it wasn't so disturbing. Okay. Because you know, they're the, the, the best way I can describe it is that they're, um, they're just not well informed about what they're doing. And so when they do like a room full of pentagrams, they're not, Actually, pentagrams, they're stars of David oh. because they just don't know what they're doing. And, <laughs> and and so it's kind of stuff like that where it's just like, I can't believe these people are, are like this. Um, but we have out here, they do it in, in L.A. every year. Okay. They take – because this, this – that exact hell house that is featured on the documentary is something that you can send away for, your church can send away for, so that you can get that and put it on in your – church you know in your your uh 
okay. neighborhood in your your parish or whatever. Right. And and so what people in L.A. did is they they pick a place out in L.A. Like the time I went to it, it was in a, uh, an abandoned Alcapocos, and um, they they set the place up exactly like the Hell House would be set up with, and then they just kind of camp it up a little bit. And um, and the, <laughs> Jesus at the end is always played by a celebrity. They kind of, you never know who you're gonna get. You just you know like I think um, a lot of people who are in political talk shows and and stuff like that. The the Bill Maher kind of oh, okay yep comedians will will play the Jesus character, and then the money goes to charity. But but they take it and they just kind of amp it up to eleven, and it's hilarious. It's just crazy. It's disturbing if you go into it and that's what it really is. Right. But but when when it's kind of poking fun at it, it, it gives it kind of a, a more comfortable feel. They just sort of memed it, huh? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what they did. That's, uh, I'd be all over that. Yeah, yeah. So so that's if you're in the L.A. area, look it up. It's uh, ho- I think it's Hollywood Hell House is the way they bill it. And it, it goes to a different place every every year. They have a different location. <laughs> Halloween is the best, man. It is just like, it's, I don't know. It's crazy what you can do with it, right? You want to, you know, the your, the girls want to be, you know, uh, the women want to be, you know, sexy nurse. Fine, you can do the sexy nurse. The the girl, little kids want to be, you know, Disney princess and, and Super Mario. That's fine. You want to scare the crap out of people and, and you know, uh, and have things blood dripping out of the walls and all that. Like it's, you can go anywhere with it. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's such a great launch. Yeah, it really is. Really, really is. You want people to find Jesus? You want people to make fun of finding Jesus? Like, whatever. It's 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 just, all there. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last thing you threw in here, which I thought was pretty interesting, is um, video games and treadmills are reducing falls in the elderly. Yeah, so I love the application video game to science. Um, I'm reading a book, and I don't have the author's name. It's called The Game Believes in You, and it's about using video games instead of repetition, essentially, to teach um, science, technology, and math in schools. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's it's brilliant. I mean, I, I know it works because we use this silly app called Habitica, where it's like you have like a little adventuring character and you have your dailies. And when you do your dailies, they um, you earn gold and you earn XP. And if you don't do your dailies, you lose health, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's fine if you're the only person playing, but you can group up with people and do quests together. And so, you know, 10 minutes of 10 minutes of cleaning the house. Okay. Well, I can do my 10 minutes or I can let the group down and we won't, you know, finish our quest. So, that type of of uh, incentive, right? That's awesome. Oh, it's it's fun. And there's a million of them. Dragon Box is one of them um for some of the younger kids. The example I was reading was basically 6-year-olds doing algebra because they the premise of the application is that this dragon shows this baby dragon shows up on your doorstep and won't eat until it's alone in terms of the things that are on one side of the screen versus the other and to get things moved on one side of the screen to the other you have to do math equations even if you don't know you're doing them so um so yeah so these kids are doing algebra at six years old which is awesome um but the the video game and, and treadmill thing for uh, to reduce the falls in the seniors was something that I, that I, I read it's one of the sections i have a video game section in my news feed uh and it was talking about how when uh seniors fall it tends to start a cycle right because i don't know if you've ever had a lower body injury but they are not fun mm-hmm. um so uh because when you're hurt and you can't you can't continue to work out then it obviously throws everything off etc but um they said that they used um treadmills but not just you know treadmill stare at the timer like everybody hates in the gym but a treadmill with a you know video game um uh, stimuli 
And they took 282 adults between 60 and 90 years old, all of who had had at least two falls in the six months that led up to the study. Um, they said that 46% of them had Parkinson's. And when they did the treadmill training with virtual reality, which is another fascinating technology, they, the fall rates dropped for both groups doing the treadmill training, but the ones who had done the VR element of it had actually dropped more significantly. So pretty interesting study. There's a link to it. I guess if you do show notes, we can put that up there. Yeah, I'll make sure they're in the show notes. Yeah, but if anybody's uh, heard about a, a technological approach toward whatever, uh, healthcare recovery, um, any of that stuff, I, I, by all means, please share it because I'd love to hear, having worked in the medical field in the past, um, where, we're, where we've come with that type of approach. That's awesome. I, I, I think it's so... It's so interesting what we can do nowadays with all this technology, all the and and video games, believe it or not, are on the forefront of it because you know people are finding ways to apply it in, in completely unique and different fashions. So it's pretty pretty cool. And it's we don't know what we don't know. I think when it comes to to the body, and I'll give an example because I love this example. So my buddy Luis, who I work with, big Star Wars nerd, um, he had. Uh, impaired kidney function. So he was on what they call peritoneal dialysis, So, which is you do it at home. And over uh, Christmas two years ago, he got really, really sick and he got infected and his shunt got infected and he was not able to do at-home care for his dialysis. So he wound up uh, having to go to hemodialysis, which is when you go three times a week to the clinic and you sit in the chair and they circulate your blood through the uh, uh, dialysis. Mm -hmm. Uh, he was on the transplant list, and we found a coworker who was willing to give him a kidney and was a man. So he got his new kidney in February, was back up and uh, on his own, able to go back to work and everything in April. So I'm out with him, and I'm, we're doing some customer calls and some things like that. And I notice this little pattern where every once in a while, he'll eat half his lunch, half a sandwich, put the other half away, and then leave room for dessert. And it turns out, like, he started really, really craving chocolate. Well, we've talked to his donor, Sue, and Sue's a huge chocolate. So by donating her kidney, essentially, like, <laughs> turned him into a chocolate guy. And it was, like, just who would have thought of that, right? I mean, that's not going to be on some med chart anyway. It's just one of those things where you're like, okay, so do we want to study the physiology of that? Like, what really, what does that even mean? You that's know what I mean? fascinating. That's it was really, wild. really crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, so as soon as we think we know it all, by the way, we'll, we, we don't. No, not at all. Not anywhere close. But I guess that's kind of that's kind of the exciting thing. We're always learning new stuff. Right. And finding different ways to, to educate ourselves. Right. Who would have thought video games? Yeah. Right? I, I, I really wish we could find like if if I could focus all of my curriculum on using video games to learn, you know, English. And and uh, one of the things I am implementing in November, since it's National Writing Month, um, I always make my kids do blogs um, about whatever they want to write about. So if you're into basketball, you write about basketball on your blog. If you're into video games, you write about video games on your blog. Um, because they're going to do better writing if they're writing about stuff they're excited about and they're interested in mm -hmm. than if they're forced to write about this book that Mr. Hogan made them read. And so I feel like, you know, we I have all this curriculum I have to get through. And sometimes I think we could just teach what we need to teach by just engaging what they already are excited about. Well, yeah, obviously, right? So if I said to you for the next seven days, you're going to write me a thousand words a day about Warcraft, you'd probably get it done. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if I said you're going to write it to me about, uh, you know, Lyme disease, probably not. Right? So, yeah, I mean, you know, engage kids on what they're passionate about. And I'm sure I'm sure their grades look fine because it's stuff that they want to talk about, that they want to get engaged with and find other people who want to get engaged also. I would tell all of your students this. It's not going to be perfect when you first write it down. 
No, exactly. Well, and that's the thing. I'm, I'm learning with I've, – I've learned over the years that a lot of the reason why kids don't perform is because they're afraid to fail. And we've, we've created this kind of mentality with our students that, that they have to be perfect the first time out because if they don't, they get this paperback that's just marked in red. And it's like, no – I, like your your sentence is not going to be good the first time you put it there. That's why we edit. That's why we go back and revise. And for some of them, it's so deeply rooted that no, I have to be right the first time that it it puts them into lockdown and they can't they can't do anything. So they're just like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bother. Yeah, and that was I think that was the lesson I had to learn from from you uh, and the panel at NerdCon, which was if you about the podcast, right? If you're gonna do it, just freaking do it. It's not gonna be perfect, and if you wait for everything to be perfect, you're not. Uh, you'll you'll never get it out there, right? If you wait until all the bills are paid and you've got the the perfect house and and everything else before you get married, you're not going to get married. If you're married and you wait until everything's absolutely ideal to have kids, you're never going to have kids. It's just one of those like sometimes you you know you need the push, right? Right, and absolutely. Tell the same kid who's writing about basketball. Let me ask you a question: Did you learn every play, every move? Did you make your first thousand shots in a row before you decided that you were going to play basketball? Hell no, you went out there and you missed some shots and you figured out what you did wrong and you, you know, corrected your, your, your shooting motion. So it's the same thing with writing. It's the same thing with every skill, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Victor Wooten's got a whole thing on that about, about, you know, if you don't know who he is, he's a bass player, um, about, you know, you didn't learn every scale and mode and chord and everything else before you started playing. You picked up the instrument and started playing or singing. And you know, that's how you learn. Right. Absolutely. As a as a baby, you you know you don't learn every word in the English language and then start. Yeah. So, so yeah. Same, just you know get out there, and mess it up a little bit. There's only there's only two things in life, right? Either you're successful or you're you're, you're learning. It's a lesson. So failure's not a, even a thing, right? Yeah. Well, failure's always an option. Is the MythBusters? Yeah. They just did they just did a, a issue a paper like a research paper for me, and uh, they you know we we decided okay I'm gonna I'm gonna write. You're going to write it in class so that I can come over and help you if you're you're struggling and that kind of stuff. And, you know, we we have a lap cart that we share from from teacher to teacher. So I, I took the lap cart for a week. And um, and so I said, all right, so, you know, this is how I'd like you to do a thesis and go ahead and come up with a thesis and we'll check your thesis. So we did that. And I'm like, all right, now start writing your body. And the kids are like, well, what about the introduction? And I was like, um, try the body first. And some kids are like, no, must do introduction before body like they, they could not move past that i'm like if that's really what you have to do that's fine but try your body first some kids are like oh my god all this time i get stuck on the introduction because i don't know what to put but i obviously know the information that needs to go into the essay so i you know just being given permission to just write the information down like that let them move on god i love that yeah and it was it, it's hilarious and then they're just like well i just don't know how to i don't know how to word this i'm like well then word it poorly just get it get it onto the get it onto the screen and then once you've got all the information you want on there then play around with it then move it around then you know and i my brother told me when i cuz he's an english major i'm a drama major so <laughs> my uh my english skills are are self-taught not university acquired and um when i was getting my credential my my brother i sent him a uh, I am back in the AOL days and said, uh, can you fix this sentence for me? Cause it's just not, it's just not working. And he's like, dude, sometimes you just need to let the sentence go. No, <laughs> he's like, sometimes it's just delete it and start over. And, and it's true. So yeah, go out there and experiment people. Yeah. Just get it down. I mean, just, you know, it's, that's the whole point behind nano, right? Uh, yeah. uh, in November is just, you know, just right. Like you'll go back and correct it all later. And, and, 
just like you'll go back and go, oh, this is awful sometimes, you'll surprise yourself sometimes. And be, Man, I wrote that. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So be willing to, you know, give yourself a pat on the back sometimes, too. All right. Well, we're going to get to the meat and potatoes of our show, which we're just going to have fun today. We're not we're not covering a deep topics. We're not trying to solve world problems. We're just talking about stuff we like. And our favorites, just like some of this is is deep. Some of this is uh, silly. And, and we're just going to go with it. So um, we're going to start off with favorite movie. What's your favorite movie? Oh, man. Uh, I mentioned Blade Runner earlier. Uh, with so Blade Runner's huge. Um, the Crow, the Brandon Lee movie, is a huge, huge thing. We, my brother and I, grew up watching all Bruce Lee stuff, and then uh, Brandon came along. It was awesome. That's who our son's named after, by the way, Brandon Lee. Uh huh. Um, but I have to also give a nod to uh, two other movies, uh, Caddyshack and Ghostbusters. And here's why: because I play in a band. The band's called Just Want to Play, and we have a Ray in the band, and we have a Danny in the band. And so that means every Tuesday night at rehearsal, it's uh, it's the Ray lines, all the Ray lines from Ghostbusters and all the Danny lines from Caddyshack. So it's funny. Oh, it's endless. It, and we'll do it on stage to Danny and mess him up completely. So, um, yeah. So you get, you know, with the six people in the band, five guys and, and Melina who puts up with all of us, I don't know how. And every guy has that guy gene where you just quote TV shows and movies nonstop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, so, you know, after a couple hours of playing music, it gets, it tends to get into a lot of the, you know, there's a lot of badness in the world, Danny moments. So, um, yeah. So those two are up there too, just if for the quotability, if for nothing else. Absolutely. My my favorite, and I, I think I've mentioned this one on on the show before, but my absolute favorite movie of all time is Clue oh, from the you, 1980s. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. Ones that if it's on, like it's just it's it's staying on, right? Like I'm not changing this. I have I have a copy of it at school for those emergency days where they kind of switch up the schedule and you have a couple hours that you have to fill because, you know, there's testing or, you know, there was some sort of holiday and you're allowed to just kind of show whatever. I'm like, all right, you guys are watching Clue. And they're like, what is this from the 19? I don't care about this. And then like 15 minutes in, they're like, are we going to be able to finish this? Is there going to be time? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's the ping pong dialogue in that movie that that I th- and and Madeline Kahn's awesome in anything. Um, oh, she like she I I I was so upset when she passed away. Like she was one of my absolute favorite actresses ever. I would watch anything she was in. Oh yeah, of course, right? I mean, not you know the Mel Brooks stuff obviously for itself, but yeah, she's she was so good. Um, but I mean, it's it, you, it's even you get like the subtle Christopher Lloyd in that movie as opposed to the you know the over the top. Uh, Doc Brown or you know, Reverend Jim that he plays in some of the other stuff. So there's just so many little nuances to the to the characters, and then of course um, Wadsworth. <laughs> oh my God, yeah, <laughs> it just ties it all together. Uh, yeah, so that that one gets quoted a lot in the house too. Well, I think it's one of those things where it was like it was so different. The fact that it had all the different endings and it's so punny. Oh yeah, and it's such intelligent humor. Along with slapstick and goofiness, that if if you're not if you're not paying attention to that movie, you miss stuff because it's just like every line is crafted. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm just sitting here thinking of like all the actors in them. Um, yeah, and for them to put it to take a board game, <laughs> and then okay, so how do you distribute the weapons? So everybody's got to have a, a weapon, and of course the gun has to go off, otherwise you know it's not the, like there's just all that little intricacy to it. So, um, but yeah, and then just to get that cast. Uh, is it's just outstanding. I, there's just so much fun with it. I love that movie to death. Highly recommend if you haven't seen. It. Yeah, go see Clue. And and uh, if you see the 
whatever the, um, the digital release or the DVD or whatever, however you consume things nowadays, um, when Clue was released in the theaters, it had three different endings. But the the one that makes its way on cable and all that other stuff actually has all three. Yeah, because the idea was is depending on which theater you went to it would have a different a different ending. So you would you wouldn't ruin it for your friends. <laughs> the ultimate spoiler warning. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I know the DVD I use has uh, has a little thing that says uh, you know do you want a random ending or do you want all the endings and you always have to pick all the endings. Really? I didn't know. Okay. I didn't know you could do that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Your favorite book. Um, there's a lot, but I will tell you one of the ones that I've read recently that I thought was written specifically to my childhood was ready player one by Ernie. It's such a good book. Yeah. It's and they're making the movie. Right. So I just, there was just so much in it that was, you know, everything that I did grow up. So, uh, you know, playing the Atari 800 XLR Commodore 64 class of, of computer games and obviously Dungeons and Dragons and, um, and then, you know, Rush, which is such an iconic 80s band. But, um, yeah, it was just, it, I just loved it. I thought it was, it was great. I, you know, the setup and, uh, it, which is not too far out of the realm of possibility with the whole VR thing, you know? Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. I just, I, and I, the way I actually found out about it was, I was listening to a town hall on Sirius XM radio and it was um, interview questions with Robin Williams uh, and Whoopi Goldberg was asking them and she asked him, what are you reading now? And he said, ready player one. And she goes, Oh my God, I just finished it. So good. And then, so from there it was like, okay, well let me, let me see what this is all about. And then um, I think I tweeted to Ernie Klein. I was like, dude, Robin Williams is reading your book. And I think he was like, where did you hear that? So God bless him now. He's on a roll. I hope everything else he writes is as good. Yeah, yeah. No, I I read it on uh, a vacation. I went took it with me to Hawaii, and my my husband is like, "We need to go do this." I'm like, "No, I don't care if we're in Hawaii. This book is amazing. <laughs> I hope it rains." <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I hope the movie is as good as the because I yeah. heard rumors that Steven Spielberg is not putting any of his stuff in. Um, look, the source material is that good. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see what happens. I I I think they'll be. I think it'll. I think they'll they'll do it. Um, my favorite has to be World War Z. Uh, okay. So, um, how would you grade the book versus the movie? Well, they're completely different creatures. Like, <laughs> the, yeah, the movie, the movie has nothing to do with the book at all. It has one character in it that's the same, and it's not even a major character. Uh, I, I try and see Max Brooks at, uh, at Comic Con every year. And the year it came out, he's like, he just starts off with, let's just get the elephant out of the room right away. <laughs> I saw the movie. I liked the movie. It has nothing to do with my book. And and it's true. The the movie is a decent zombie movie. But um, the... Uh, is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the book is phenomenal. The book, did you read, uh, sorry, did you read The Martian? I didn't read The Martian. So that that that's a, a home run book and home run movie, if you ask me. I think that's that they just did a phenomenal job on, on both of those. Yeah, I heard the movie was a, a decent translation of. Yeah, and again, great source material. So you know, staying true to it. Maybe that's the lesson for Ready Player One. Just stay true to the source material; it'll work out. Well, and it's funny because I really, I really love um, the the thing that I'm so impressed by as far as uh, World War Z goes is I'm a big fan of Studs Terkel, the essayist who went through and wrote um, Working and uh, uh, the Great War, and he basically. What he did is he are you are you familiar with Studs Terkel? Uh, I might be. Just keep going. Uh, he he went through and he'd like interview a whole bunch of people about their jobs, and then he's got a book that kind of tells 
about American life through these different jobs from all the way from, you know, prostitutes up to CEOs. And and then for the Great War, he basically tells the the story of World War II through interviews with survivors. And that's where Max Brooks got his idea for World War Z is is it's that it's that format where it's a bunch of people who have survived this zombie war and they're retelling their story and that's how you get the full story of the oh, oh. of the war okay. and and the fun thing is is that everything that happens in the book has happened in real life just not with zombies that's wild okay yeah, right. so like there's a there's a story in there about a a woman soldier who is she her she has to um parachute out of her plane like her plane's crash landing or something and and she parachutes out and she's stuck behind enemy lines and that's based on a true story of a woman who got trapped behind enemy lines in a war and had to find her way back. The big difference is that it was you know a, a, a different country's army, not zombie. That's kind of a brilliant thing to do though right i mean to adapt it into zombies not that you know uh, and to do it in such a way that, that that really works and i i guess maybe that explains a lot of the issue that people had with the movie which is how do you go from a inv- uh, interview recount style to you know recreate all the events and i don't know i don't know i thought it was okay i thought if you want fast zombies to go watch 28 days later you'd yeah <laughs> i agree <laughs> well and that's the other thing he's he talks about how um he's like fast Zombies, you don't have time to be scared because you're too busy running. He's like the 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 scary thing for him about zombies is the fact that they just keep coming, and it's not that like you can outrun them. You can like it's it's just they they're just never ending, and so that's kind of his you know his why he's attracted to zombies as a as a, a horror right. stick is because it that that's they're scary. They're scary as the long game. And so it gives you that time to get in your head and and doubt yourself and and that's where the that's where the story comes from. Well, I'd, I'd love to hear what he thinks of the Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah, I, he he's he's got opinions. He's got opinions. Yeah. I don't remember specifically about that, but whenever he's on a a panel with like people who do fast zombies or like zombie romance or like, right. he definitely has opinions. We had uh, a an event come through that was uh, Andrew Lincoln. Greg Nicotero, Scott Gimple, and one other person, I can't remember who, and um, it was an interview-style thing at one of the local museums where they talked about The Walking Dead from a storytelling and, and filmmaking and all that uh, different perspective. So it was pretty cool to see the Q&A behind it all, uh-huh, uh-huh. sort of Talking Dead style, but um, but to have it sort of open to ask people from the crowd could could ask the questions. Uh, Greg, the work that Greg Nicotero and his team does with the special effects on The Walking Dead is just amazing. Yeah. It's just, and there's there's so many signature ones where you're like, well, what are you guys gonna do in season five? How are you gonna top that? And then they come up with something that you never would have thought of. The the one the zombies are melted to the road or whatever, and you're like, ugh, okay, cool, <laughs> you know. So yeah, so that's cool. So yeah, so Walking Dead's coming. Yeah, yeah, and I'm looking forward to that. It'd be fun. I like I like zombies. Well, I don't like zombies. Nobody likes zombies. Yeah, um, my buddy went as one of the Romero zombies one year with the he had the contact lenses and everything on nice. it. It, it's what it is, right? It's that's really like the Night of the Living Dead. You know, they're coming to get you, Barbara. Is really that's the you know when Brooks talks about the long game, that's really it, right? It really is. It really is, and that, that's where I that's where I fell in love with it. Like I, I saw the I saw the remake of Night of the Living Dead, and then I went back and watched the original one, and I was like, oh my god, Barbara, stop crying in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in fact, I saw um, the first time I exposed my husband to Night of the Living Dead was. Um, 
a mystery science theater type uh, oh, thing oh. with the the Rift Tracks guys. They did yes. like one of those Fathom events, and yep. I was like, all right, this at least I know is a way you can watch it, and it was it was hilarious, absolutely hilarious. Oh, that's so good. Um, here's another one. I want to say it's Dead and Breakfast. It's got Jeremy Sisto and some other people in it. Another little indie sort of uh, uh, funny zombie comedy. Zomb- zombie? I don't know if that's a thing, but um, yeah, yeah. Just, I, just I love it. I know we sort of dovetailed off the topic here, sorry, but that's okay. I think we're gonna cut a lot of these just or just zip through some of them because otherwise we'll, we'll never get through. All right, let's but do it. That's kind of the fun. But that's kind of the fun thing. See where it goes. Uh, favorite color? Uh, yellow. Uh, bright yellow or black. Uh, I've got a yellow, bright yellow motorcycle. Because you don't want a black motorcycle driving in DC, you'll get killed. Yeah, no, that's a good idea. <laughs> you? Uh, teal, like the kind of greenish blue. I know what teal is. <laughs> well, not everybody does, and everybody has different. Well, I'm also colorblind, so um, so sometimes my descriptions of color kind of tell people what I'm seeing. Okay. <laughs> I, but, I know this. I learned, and I know this from the last time we went to Disney with um with with uh with my. So last time we went to Disney, my kid was really, really little, um, and we went, and uh, uh, my buddy, my buddy Joe and his boyfriend at the time said, "Well, we'll go, we'll go too." Like it's an excuse to go to Disney, mm. and and they got adopted by my mother-in-law because they knew everything about Disney. Like my kid got to be the guest conductor on the train. They um, knew all the shortest lines. They all knew the shortest ways back to the hotel. And you mentioned teal, and this is where I'm going with this: is that they knew all 13 colors of the monorails. And none of them are like red, blue, yellow, green. They're oh, all like wow. coral and pearl. And, and so I was like, okay, teal. <laughs> not, right? So it's one of those offshoots. Um, the greatest thing was that um, Joe's a, a, he's a big, big into photography, and he would take pictures of the fireworks and everything else, really, really great pictures. And he's talented and needs to get back to doing it, Joe. Um, but when they took out the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea ride, because it, American Handicap Association said you can't get a wheelchair on here, so you got to get rid of the ride. Right. They put in a Winnie the Pooh playground, and somewhere, because it's Disney, somewhere in the tree in the playground is they carved the Nautilus as a as a tribute to the old ride. And Joe said, you know, as many times as we've come down here, we've never been able to find it. So we showed he showed my kid, I think he was three at the time, we showed him a picture, and we're like, go find this. Well, there's this tiny little tree house um, that's probably three feet tall next to the tree. And so Brandon goes in there, and maybe 10 seconds, and he goes, I found it. But <laughs> it's in the little tree house. Like if you walk in the door, you have to turn around and look above the door frame, and that's where it's carved. Oh wow! So as an adult, you'll never. See. But as yeah. a little kid, like he found it right away. So yeah, so that was a fun Disney. So there's your teal story. Well, and as far as yellow goes, it's never been my favorite color, but I feel like it needs to be because um, in the last several months, I have become both uh, Team Instinct on Pokemon Go, oh. and was officially sorted into Hufflepuff. So. I think yellow needs to to start integrating it into my lifestyle. Uh, my team mystic son will not enjoy that. So, um, okay, that's fine. I don't know the, the Hufflepuff stuff. I'm not a, a big a Harry Potter person to some other people I know, but I'll I'll, I'll give it to you. <laughs> Favorite actor? Um, if you want to go like mainstream hero kind of dudes, uh, I love the transformation that Chris Pratt went through to mm-hmm. become a, a, a hero guy. Um, and Chris Evans, same thing, you know. Um, but there's a couple other um, folks who I think are just uber, uber talented. Uh, Michael C. Hall, I think, uh-huh. is that list. Um, not just because of Dexter. I was a Huxer fan. But um, to see him go from six feet under to Dexter, like that type of totally different character. Uh, I like his approach. Um, I think Luis Guzman is underrated. If you know who he is, he's, um, he's on one of my absolute favorite shows right now, which is Code Black. 
which don't watch if you're depressed even a bit. <laughs> but he plays he plays the the head nurse. Marsha Gay Harden is the the head doctor, and he plays the head nurse. Um, I actually got to screen that show when I was in Vegas before it made it on the air, and I did a panel on that whole thing, and just kind of loved it from the start. So, um, so those are a couple. And then uh, I mentioned Nathan Basil. What about you? I, I have to agree with with the Chris Evans. He's definitely up there. Um, I'm also a big fan of um, Anthony Hopkins. Oh, and he's in the Westworld thing that starts tonight. Yeah, I'm a huge Anthony. He's just amazing. Um, and right. then, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I know those are those are kind of my two like the the kind of fun to watch because he's pretty Chris Evans. Yeah. Then uh, I just think Anthony Hopkins can do so many different things that you just don't expect. Oh, Gary Oldham. Yes. Oh no, he's one of definitely up there. Yeah, he's just a total total chameleon. You know, to watch him just become something different every single time, whether it's Jim Gordon or or his role in uh, The Professional or Fifth Element. I mean, he's just you just never know what you're going to get with him. And I'm cheating. I'm skipping ahead to your favorite actresses, and I I was going to say Maggie Smith because of course she's just phenomenal. But uh, and Helen Mirren's right up there too. I I didn't write her down in my notes, but um, you know, the kind of classy lady who can then pull off you know something ridiculous at the same time yeah but i i see you have tatiana meslani yes and she's she's just incredible that woman is like i forget that she's playing all those roles Uh, yeah and there's a great write-up on how they shoot it like because she has to do one one character with a body double playing the other and then go back and film it as the second character or you know when they do multiple clones Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or or the clones pretending to be the other clones or, you know, it's just the layer upon layer upon layer of things that they've asked her to do in Orphan Black that she does and does, you know, very, very well. Um, she's just phenomenal. I mean, you go from, you know, she's I don't, her soccer mom character. Right? Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Not- <laughs> she is hilarious. And I love like it's not that she's just playing all these different characters, but she's playing them so distinctly. And then she has to play those characters playing other characters. Right. So it's like, like, I don't know how she keeps it all, all straight in her head. Like it's, she's just amazing. Yeah. I don't know if she's got copious notes or not, but there's gotta be certain, like, you know, certain ticks that she does with each character and, and inflection and, um, criminal that, you know, it took her so long to, to get any recognition and awards in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, but I, I'm very happy that she she won the award this year. Yep, very cool. Who else Who else is on your list? Um, have you seen Ex Machina? I have. Okay, so um, I think it's Alicia 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 Vikander who uh-huh. plays the robot. Um, I like her. She's about to blow up, just like um, Oscar Isaacs and uh, the other guy, Gleason Gleason, whatever his name. I, somebody will correct me on it. But I, she's really good, and, and I, I thought she did a great job in that movie. And then I actually saw her in the Man from Uncle remake. Okay, I haven't seen that. Oh, it's um, it's um, it's a Guy Ritchie movie. You'll know eight seconds in that it's a Guy Ritchie movie. Um, but it's got um, uh, Henry Cavill plays uh, Napoleon Solo, and it's so so well done. Um, it looks a lot like the Sherlock Holmes, Robert Downey Jr. movies. The you know the way that Ritchie shoots. Um, but she's in that, and she does a great job in that too. Sort of uh, playing a, a bunch of different roles within the spy realm. Um. But I, I like her a lot. And then uh, I put Emma Stone down here only for one thing, which was, uh, have you seen Crazy Stupid Love? I love Crazy Stupid Love. Okay, so that movie to me is, is hysterical. So I had never seen her in anything other than um, The Amazing Spider-Man, where she plays, you know, girl next door Gwen Stacy, right? She's totally, you know, buttoned up and smiling, and she's, you know, the positive thing the whole time. And then in Crazy Stupid Love, there's that scene where 
it's her with uh, Ryan Gosling. Uh huh. Right, and she's like, "Take your shirt off," and he takes his shirt. She goes, oh, she drops the f bomb. Um, but I'm, but I was watching that scene. I'm like, "That's Gwen Stacy. She's not allowed to say that." So, uh huh, uh huh. Everything about Crazy Stupid Love, I thought was was really, really good. It's very circular writing where you get introduced to all these characters, and then they're gonna eventually swirl in and run to each other together, all in one place. And it, I, 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 I don't know. That movie makes me laugh. It's, a, it's the clue kind of vibe. Yeah, it's it's a great movie. I love that movie. Yeah, it's so I like circular. I, I you know um, Trent Reznor does a lot of it with Nine Inch Nails. That some of his songwriting, uh, but uh, like Inglorious Bastards is that way. Yeah, right. You get it's very slow in the beginning, and you get introduced to these characters very very sparsely, and then by the end of the movie, it's it's you know they're so intertwined and everything's happening. So yeah, Crazy Stupid Love's another example. There's a um there's one called The Way Way Back, which I is, love The Way Way Back. Oh, okay, you've seen it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's another one that I just I love to tears. You just feel so bad for that poor kid and everything he's going through. Um, the guys who wrote that are um, they wrote something else and won an award. This is this is one of those instances where the only reason they were allowed to even um, release this was because of the success of something else uh-huh. that's written. Um, the most famous version of that I can tell you is um, that a Christmas story would not have get it would not have been made if Porky's wasn't a huge success. Right, right. So stuff like that. So. But yeah, the way way back, I love it. Yeah, I, I think there's there was way way back one year, and then the following summer it was um, story of a boy or something like that, where the they actually filmed it over filmed it over sixteen years. Oh my god, really? Yeah, um, I think it's story of a boy. Okay. Um, and and so it's all the same actors, but you know you see this kid grow up over the course of his life, and um and I it's. Both of them came out in August, and I'm like, all right, every summer there needs to be an August kind of coming-of-age movie to get us yeah. back into the school year. Yeah, no, the Way Way Back certainly did that. I, yeah. I, I thought that was incredible. And again, cast really well. So, all right, Favorite hero? Um, big Marvel guy, big Daredevil guy. Um, I put Longshot on my list. I don't know if anybody even knows who that is. Uh, he's an Arthur Adams creation. He was in the X-Men for a little bit of time, and he's kind of dinked and dunked around the Marvel Universe for a while. But his thing is he's got um if you played the old marvel universe role-playing game he's got probability manipulation which means he can create good luck for himself yeah and yeah and his big uh thing was he's a stuntman on a different dimension where the folks who are in charge have all gotten fat and lazy and can't do anything on their own so they you know create all these uh people who can do what they can't do anymore so yeah he's a cool character i like him a lot um They've they've gone 90 different directions with them, so um, who knows? Uh, and then digging a little deeper, a couple of the of the Marvel folks. So if you remember Power Pack, which yes. was the four kids, and they yeah, and they get so those they're fun, and they've kind of bounced around a bunch too. And then there was a short-lived series called Strike Force Moratorium, uh-huh. which was um, about the same time that they launched the original 2099 comics. And uh, the premise was that the aliens were attacking Earth, and they had this formula that would give the humans powers to fight back but essentially they burned out in each so it was very random i don't know that you could make it as a tv show but um you know you'd get int- these characters would last you know, four five six issues and then either get killed in the war or their you know, their powers would kill them some way shape or form so that was an interesting read i love the premise on that one that sounds awesome yeah, that's good what about you uh well I've, I've said this on the show i'm a big colossus fan um, oh. I thought Deadpool was uh, the perfect portrayal of Colossus. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> yeah, it was so good. Um, so that that's always my kind of go-to. I'm I'm a big X-Men fan in general. I I, I kind of think it's a the the underdog thing. Okay. Uh, and I have if you, like 
seldom used X-Men that, that are on your list of favorites? Seldom used? Well, I honestly, I think that there's a lot of fun stuff that people do with Dazzler, which yep. is like, you know, she she is the character that changes the most with time. She she adapts to whatever era she's in, and she's just kind of this very, she's a lot more substantial than I think a lot of people give her credit for. Yeah, so Stacia will be happy to hear that, you, that you're a Dazzler fan, because so is she. Um, and in one storyline, she and Longshot wind up going away together, right? Yeah, oh yeah, no, the, when they were in the X-Men together, the, she was always fighting over him with Rogue. Right. <laughs> well, and then along those lines, I have become a, my my love for this character has been renewed recently. Um, I've always been a big fan of uh, Monica Rambeau. She was the second Captain Marvel. Oh, I listened to this in episode 48. Yeah, yeah, well, and... <laughs> yeah, and it was she like I just I don't know why nobody does anything with her. I feel like there should be a movement that's like put this hero out there because, you know, she's she's pretty phenomenal. And and timely, right? The showrunner, the Luke Cage showrunner said it's it's time for a bulletproof black man. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, reading the headlines, you damn right it is. And I think they've, they've got a lot right. So there's proof that, you know, they can do it and then they can do it well. They just need to, you know, get the right folks invested in it but that would be a fun character yeah well for me and for me the the character design and, and the costume design is a big part of of the character identity and you know i always thought that the phoenix slash dark phoenix always has the coolest costume like it's just really well designed and very visually striking but um monica rambeau's costume is just very different it's just very unique and you don't see that kind of look very often and so i'm like i just like why is she not a thing that's a good question. Yeah. So, uh, favorite villain? Um, interesting that you brought up character design, uh, and I don't have him on the list, but as soon as you said that about Dark Phoenix, um, Mr. Sinister showed up right in my brain because I love that character design. It, that whole that whole uh, uh, era of X-Men, I think there were so many well-designed characters. Archangel, when he came back, I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Um, to me, you, it's easy to write a, a, a rah-rah feel-good hero. Like we like Captain America, the first Avenger is a great example of that, right? This down right. poor kid who and and you know suddenly becomes the hero. But but I will turn off something if it's a uh, twitchy mustache villain guy. Uh huh. Right? There's no depth to the villain, so you you've got to have that. And I thought that um, the way that they've handled Magneto, specifically in X Men First Class, where you get just the hell that he went through, um, and why he's so on the path that he's on in terms of mutants versus humans. I thought I think he's a he's a good well-defined layered character that you can that you can read and 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 uh and get enticed by so he's he's definitely on the list um and then i'm I'm one of those people who thinks that they just wasted like yeah where they should have done with them yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and then real life so my degree is not in drama or english my degree is actually in uh, criminal justice uh-huh oh so i spent a lot of time when i was writing some of the things that i've written um studying serial killers uh-huh so um you know, guys like henry holmes and uh whack job like albert fish like the, the real like uh just the things that scare you as a parent kind of people uh-huh those those guys i think are are but that's sort of off topic but i know i wrote them down and I've, i'm sure you were gonna ask me what who the hell are those guys <laughs> well they're fascinating i mean disturbingly so but it's like you kind of look at that stuff as like what makes somebody yeah and i mean i only read it cause it's sort of that know thy enemy kind of approach mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? to know you know if I'm going to let my kid walk to school by himself, you know, th- those people are out there, that type of thing. So I don't know. Um, what about you? You got a favorite villain? Um, yeah. It, it's funny because you were like, you don't like the uh, the mustache twirlers. Uh, I'm a little bit of a mustache twirler. I've become a very big fan of Arcade. Oh, okay. 
just because he's just kind of uh, like he's got a weird villain's code to him. It's kind of like he gets hired to put these people through these giant elaborate death traps. And if you get out, well, awesome. I don't have to come after you right now because, you know, you won. And I, I'm I'm OK with that. It might frustrate me, but that's part of the thrill. Next time I'll have to come up with a better trap for you. <laughs> and I just think that's just kind of an interesting take on the character. It's uh, um. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's very. I mean, I, you know, I'm sure everybody's going to say, well, it's like the Saw movies. But I tell you this: that the Saw movies are not the first time anybody's done that take. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vincent Price, Doctor Fives movie in the '70s were very much that sort of same approach. Probably more like arcade than Saw stuff. Yeah. But definitely without the gore. I'm a huge. Yeah. That, that, that's just kind of a totally different era of of cinema and television, and you know, such a like. Very, very Halloween. You talk about the different types of Halloween you can have. Like that just that's what he always reminds me of, which is <laughs> poor guy to have that be your your uh, the way you're remembered could be good, could be bad. Yeah. And um, he uh, was a very, very talented guy. I actually, uh, I like listening to a lot of the Radio Classics channel on Sirius XM, um, which is all the old you know shows from the 40s and 50s. And and his version of The Saint is on all the time. Uh, you know, there's a lot of noir in the in the catwalk stuff I write, so some of the old detective shows I like listening to those. Um, but the other thing is uh, the the I Am Legend um, short story. Really, it's not even a whole novel. Right. That Richard Matheson did has been you know adopted by Hollywood a couple of times, and and Vincent Price's version, The Last Man on Earth from 1967, is just just so fun to watch. Yeah. So yeah. All right, we're gonna skip down. We'll 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 do we'll do back and forth real quick for some of these. Um, favorite fruit? Uh, strawberries. I'm going with mangoes. Favorite, oh, okay. right. favorite vegetable? Um, I'm the only broccoli person in the house, so <laughs> <laughs> I I am a Brussels sprouts fan, and and which is funny because when I was a kid, you couldn't get me to save my life, but but since I've had them prepared for me as an adult, I, yeah. I there's a lot of fun you can do with this. There's a right way and a wrong way to. to do almost every food. Now I see some uh, some NAs for uh, some of the sweets. Not a sweet person. Nah, not even remotely. All right, well we'll just skip those then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move down to some of the geekier stuff. Okay. Uh, favorite website? Um, what did I put down? I don't know. Uh, I'm on IMDb all the time. I don't even know where did you see that. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's that's actually what you have. It's oh, right after it? the break. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, just to find all the, the trivia stuff and how these folks are connected. And I swear I've seen that guy somewhere before. There are a couple of uh, little mockumentaries that are out there um, that are called like uh, That Guy or uh-huh. That Girl or whatever. And they're all about the character actors who you've seen in like a million things. And you're like, I know they got from somewhere. Um, so it's kind of funny following those those guys around. Um, yeah, so that's that's probably I – I don't want to count Twitter, but I love, I love me some Twitter. Um, my favorite is Blizzard Watch. Uh, it's, of course uh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, just because it's, it's funny. They, they were, um, th- there was a site called, uh, wow insider and it was owned by AOL and they basically one day canceled the, the website. They said, we're taking this down wow. and it had this big staple of writers who the wow community followed for, for a really long time. And one of the editors was like, well, then we're just going to start our own. And it's the only thing I really um, contribute to on Patreon. 
Okay. Because um, the writers are phenomenal. They they have one of my favorite podcasts that they do, uh, the the Blizzard Watch podcast, and uh, and so it's kind of one of those websites where you know the writers. They've become. Um, oh, that's always that's a blast. Yeah, they've become a family and none of themselves, and so it's just kind of you you get you know little smarky snarky remarks between them on their articles, and it's just a fun place to go and feel like you're part of a community. That's uh that's always a, a that's always a blast. I know I mentioned um Twitter but not necessarily as a site but having something that you really enjoy like uh like sci-fi I was a huge defiance guy and the fact that the cast most of the cast would live tweet uh-huh every episode where you're just back and forth and um uh, you know and it's like you know sort of kicking around and like watching this hey look what we did sort of thing you know so um the Killjoy's cast is real good about that too but um yeah, but Defiance, I mean, every when you're, you know, you're tweeting with the, the folks that you're watching on screen in a sci-fi thing, it's... Uh-huh. Um, favorite song? Uh, so this is my uh, You Kids Get Off My Lawn moment, but I, <laughs> I love the, the older stuff that has a lot of instrumentation to it. So that's one of the great challenges of, of the band that I'm in is that nobody wants to be the weakest link. So we, we'll take on some pretty complex stuff. Um, the first two Boston albums are ridiculous. Anything, pretty much anything by Queen. Uh, I put down one of these nights by the Eagles just because it's such a ridiculously hard and complicated song to play. And it uh-huh. just flows. It's, like, it's almost like three different songs in one, but um, that's the one I put down. What about you? Um, mine's a deep cut that is actually going into musical theater because uh-huh. I am a theater buff. Um, there is a, a musical out there called um, Weird Romance, and it is a, uh, a basically a sci-fi two sci-fi one acts put together in, in one show. And the first act is about um, a world where uh, you're not allowed to advertise. You can't make commercials. So the only way for products to advertise anymore is through um, uh, celebrity endorsement. And so this guy has set out to create this perfect celebrity. Huh. And it's basically an Android, but it needs to be piloted by somebody. And they find that there are only... Um, you know, people can only be disassociated from their body for so long before they have to return, and it, and it makes it hard to have these people do long tours or whatever. So uh, he finds this homeless woman who is her, – her, her body's all messed up, and she's in constant pain. And, and because her body's basically rejecting her, uh, she's able to live in this celebrity android body for, for really long extended amounts of time. And the sh- one of the first songs in the show is her sitting, you know, on the street, and it's uh, it's called "Stop and See Me," and it's about, you know, how she doesn't mind living on the streets. She understands that that's just kind of the lot she has in life. But what she doesn't love is the fact that people don't ever look at her, and they kind of zip by without trying to make eye contact. And it's just such a sad, touching song, but she sings it with such inspiration and hopefulness that it's it's definitely any time I think of of um, musical theater songs that I I would want to sing that kind of comes up because it's a pretty powerful pretty powerful song. That sounds fantastic. That I gotta see that. Um, not her being depressed, but the but the music. Uh, yeah, no, it's 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 such an odd show because the the second act is a guy who. Um, is is creating these holograms in his lab and one of them comes to life and starts telling him her her story and they're like well is this a person that's actually lived did we trap somebody's ghost like what is this right. Right. and and in the in in his um in his 
attempt to figure this out, his relationship with his wife is suffering because he's never home. He's kind of obsessed with the work. And uh, it's got a, a, an interesting twist at the end. And there are these two, like, nobody does, and you never think of sci-fi as a musical theater genre, but uh, but they're just very, very cool. When is when when was this first written? I want to say it was the 70s or 80s. It was it was a while ago. This is not a new musical. No, yeah, but um, just listening to the premise, it sounds very, like, driven by the um, uber-capitalism sort of vibe. Right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, cool. I'm, gonna... I'm looking it up. I'm looking it yeah. up because uh, <laughs> it is. Uh, let's see, oh, the first uh, off Broadway in 1992. So it's a lot earlier than I. It's a lot sooner than I thought it was. Okay. Well, I would have guessed way before that, but okay. Right. Yeah, me too. But but I guess I was wrong. Well, um, I can see it next time I'm new. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, it's. Yeah. I don't. I don't know that it's done that often, which is a shame. But the the soundtrack is phenomenal, and uh, you know I'm. I'm thinking... I wrote it. I wrote it on the whiteboard. <laughs> I'm thinking I might try and do it with my kids next year now that I have boys that sing. Um, but the second act does have a lot of language, so I'm not sure exactly how I'm going to rectify that. Yeah, I got to clean that up. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Um, favorite artist? Uh, so there's a couple guys I listen to when I'm writing cyberpunk because it's just aggressive stuff usually. Um, uh, Cell Dweller out of Detroit and uh, and Blue Stolly, who's actually uh, they're both connected. Um, sort of one man bands kind of thing, mm-hmm. but. Right, like industrial, just sort of pound you in the face stuff. And you've you've heard stuff from both of them. You just uh-huh. don't like because they're in every movie trailer or video game somewhere or somehow. So you can just do a search and you'd see a million credits for either of them. Yeah, I'm I'm uh I'm I'm a little less uh I'm a little bit more mainstream than that. I'm a big uh, Maroon Five fan. Oh, good, good band. Yeah, yeah, big big Maroon Five fan. Yep. Well, my favorite video game I don't think is a secret. It's definitely World of Warcraft. Uh, how about yours? Shocker. Um. <laughs> Uh, any NHL game, uh, from back on the Sega Genesis all the way up to turn. I just, I'm, a, I just love the sport of hockey so much, and it's always fun to play. Uh, favorite Oops. board game? I put down Clue. See, even like we go, it comes full circle. Now we've we've gone back. Uh, my my kid did get an Assassin's Creed board game, but we haven't played it yet. But um, um Red Dragon Inn, if you have a chance to play that, uh, with uh with with Pip Ballantyne as uh as the half orc. You should do that. That your life will be complete. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of Pandemic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think, and I, I realize that as we're going on and, and talking about our stuff, some people did send in their favorites, and I want to say Pandemic was on one of the WEC people's lists of things that they liked. Um, but yeah, I like the fact that it's a collaborative game. Yep. All right. It's like um, humanity. I have a Cards Against Humanity story. I will not tell you on the air, but it's a good one. <laughs> yeah, we will have to save some time at the end to go through the favorites that were sent in by other people. Yeah, let's do that. That'd be good. Um, I'm going to skip a couple of these to some of the little different ones. If there's anything in here that I skipped that you're like, no, I wanted to talk about that, then then stop me. We'll go back. No, it's all good. But uh, favorite subject in school? Um, well, criminal justice in college. Um, just, you know, that's how my brain works. Uh, in like high school and all that other stuff, I I couldn't even begin to tell you. Um, I was never like a history guy or you know I did, did math because we were supposed to do math. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I'll say English because you're an English teacher. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously mine was drama, but uh, I was I was a big history fan. Uh, the the only reason why I teach English is so that I can teach drama. I got scarred. Uh, from my drama school experience, which was, I think I took it in seventh or eighth grade. And we had just a, 
a miserable woman as our drama teacher. She was the kind of lady who like like I had classmates who got straight A's and then they would get a C in drama and not be on the honor roll. Ugh. Yeah, so it's not the kind of thing where you go, oh, elective, I'll go back and put up with another year of that. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially if it's if you don't have to do it, why? Why yeah. would you? Uh, favorite drink? I'm a bourbon guy. Um, we actually have uh, my brother lives in Louisville. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't drink, so I get the chance to go out there and and uh, like DerbyCon was two weeks ago in Louisville. That's a, a information security conference, just like Black Hat and DefCon and all those. Uh, and uh, and you, you know it's, it's Louisville, so you can do the bourbon tour, you can do all kind of stuff. So yep, I'm a a bourbon guy. Um, I assumed you meant adult drink when you asked this question. I, maybe that's bad, but no. I, well, I think <laughs> I think we're all adults here. I think that's perfectly acceptable. <laughs> all right. I've, I've become a big sake fan. Oh, like sweet. Just, okay, just cool. recently, that's a that's a new thing for me, and now I'm I'm trying to learn as much as I can about sake, and and I particularly like the unfiltered sweeter. Okay, good stuff. I think both of us will agree that our favorite holiday is Halloween. Yes, by a long shot. Uh, favorite program on your computer? Oh, because I left it blank. Yes. <laughs> um, on this computer, it'd have to be GarageBand. Otherwise, I wouldn't have a podcast. Uh, <laughs> so that's that's definitely on there, and Twitter's on there as well. Um, you know, other than getting into security stuff, there's not really any favorite things I do on the computer. If I'm going to game, it's typically on the console, not on the, what about you? Um, I have, and this is, don't say Warcraft. No, 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 no. (laughs) Uh, I I figured that couldn't count. Um, this is embarrassing. I am usually pretty technologically savvy. I can figure things out, but one thing I have never been able to give up, it goes into that get off my lawn mentality. Uh, Yep. My Microsoft Photo Draw. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's like it's like early early um, Adobe Photoshop type stuff. Like, but I, for some reason, it just makes sense to me. I know how to use it, and trying to learn all these newfangled uh, like uh, draw programs or vi- um, photo editing programs, I just can't do it. I can't where do did, it. Where did they move the button that does this? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so, so it's like, and I, I think its days are numbered because it's now struggling to save things. So uh-huh. I think it just is not compatible with Windows anymore. And, and so I'm going to have to learn how to use some of these other software programs. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to do like, you know, any any graphics for anything. Oh, but, man. but, uh, but yeah, that's my that's my hold on to thing. There's a great Wired article from I think it was from last year uh, about Lucasfilm. And all of the the sort of byproducty things that have been created as a result of what they wanted to do as aspiring filmmakers, and just nobody had a way to do that yet. Uh-huh. And, uh, and Adobe Photoshop's one. Of them. So there's an interesting, like you know, this type of camera lens or this program or whatever else. So all these things that just came because the Lucasfilm guys had such vision and just didn't have a means to do it yet. So they sort of created it all along the way. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I just need to sit down and teach myself how to use it. But you know. There's so much time in the day. I totally yeah, have sure, the ability the, to do that. The 25th and 26th hour that you have every. And then, of course, the last thing that I think we'll we'll talk about because there's a lot. We we filled in a lot of these, but we're we're running on to two hours, so I want to make sure that we we get some time to to finish up. But uh, uh, favorite podcast. So <clears throat> all right, so we've obviously so Station and I've been on the shared desk, which is T. Morris and Pitt Ballantyne, and they write the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences, which is an awesome series, steampunk series. Um, and we were on that, and it was just kind of like, oh, that's nice. They have a podcast. That's very cool. Uh, sure, ask us some questions. Or we would go to see a movie together, and then we would sort of recap, like Star Wars, when we all went to Star Wars. But uh, but I didn't really listen to any other podcasts. And then those two fools were on your podcast. Uh-huh. 
And and I say that with love and respect. That's that's fine. Um, and then I started listening to all your interviews, and then then I sort of just jumped from there. So I said it a million times. I said this podcast is a gateway drug, and it damn sure is. <laughs> uh, so the other favorites that I have, I'll tell you. So so let me think. From you, I pivoted over to the WEC podcast, and they they're really funny. Um, they actually just did one on Taxi, the show Taxi. Uh huh. Uh huh. Which uh, I just adored that show growing up. Um, the Average Geek Show. So those guys. Um, I listened to them in New York on the treadmill bitching about something. I don't. Oh, I'm sorry, language. Uh, Captain America or something. I don't know. It's, it's so funny because they they get really really passionate really really quickly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're not afraid to to say exotic. So those guys are there. Um, so Kenny from Dumbbells and Dragons. I just started listening to that. So that's another one. The Melting Podcast, who I mentioned earlier. And then are there any other ones that I uh subscribe to i don't know i think that might be it i'm gonna have to listen to the melting pot uh podcast because that is a that is one i am not terribly familiar with they're short um they're very very like i said they're very very positive very polite people one of the segments that they they do is they take classic literature and do mad libs nice yeah (laughs) that sounds fun yeah, so there's a ton, and it, and if you need a writing prompt for some of your students and they want to you know, write a little flash fiction story in November, then that's a good place to get it because they always have writing prompts open. Um, I am going to I, I am going to mention ones that I do not um, mention very often because I feel like if you listen to this show, you know, obviously Weck, Average Geek, Dumbbells and Dragon, like these are our kind of staple go to. You know, I cannot pick my favorites. Be fair. Um, <laughs> I, I still am a huge fan of Jay and Miles. Uh, I was introduced to that in our very first episode. So now a year later, I have devoured all the episodes. And um, I started on the Two Gay Geeks too. That's the other one. I yeah, they're just nice guys. Just love the Two Gay Geeks. Well, I thought T loved his drop-ins. Man, those guys are nonstop drop-ins on that. <laughs> um, I am a big fan of pretty much anything Garrett Weinzerl does. He does the Angry Chicken, which is uh, a Hearthstone podcast. He does stuff for um, uh, Into the Nexus, which is uh, Heroes of the Storm. He does a, a lot of Blizzard stuff, but he also has a, a Star Wars podcast and a solo podcast that he calls The Angry Nerd. Um, I think I've seen that. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, Nerd for a Living is a really good one if you're interested in just kind of people who do geeky stuff for a living. They they have a lot of actors and writers on there, but they also have people who do sell like geek fashion accessories and just all sorts of fun stuff. I got to go write that one down home. Yeah. And uh, I think those are the ones that I don't necessarily mention very often or have not been guests on the show. I think everybody else that's on my feed, I've either gotten to come over and, uh, and talk to me or uh or our regular contributors to the show. <laughs> so yeah. And so while we're on while we're talking about regular contributors to the show, let me pull up what the other people had said that they were big fans of. Okay, here we go. This will be good. All right. I criticize them and pummel them for their wrong opinion. <laughs> exactly. I apologize. Um, 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 um. Kevin from the WEC podcast said that his some of his favorite podcasts are um Geek to Two, Dumbbells and Dragons, Average Geek Show, WEC podcast. And Wait, then, he put his own? Yeah, he put his own. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? I'm sorry. This is not uh, his favorites list. This was his um, podcast, the International Podcast Day tweet. So that would explain it. Oh, but he has okay. the, the Verity podcast. Six smart women discussing Doctor Who. 
Yeah, Kevin's a big Doctor Who guy. That's a, a another thing I wasn't huge into. I remember watching when Tom Baker was the Doctor, but I that, that's not something I you know have on my DVR. Um, Mandy likes tabletop toast. Uh, oh, toast to tabletop. A podcast dedicated to games, drinks, and general nerd banter. So she's trouble too because she finds all these other podcasts and then starts mentioning them, and then I start following her everywhere, and then that gets me into all nine thousand more things to listen to. So I got to watch it with her. Yeah, you you talk to to me about you talk about me being a gate rate drug. You can't listen to an episode of the WEC podcast without going, okay, I need to know that and that and that yeah. and that's over there. <laughs> That is absolutely true. I was um, listening to their episode where they were – what were they talking about? They were talking about – this is a while back, second so to rack my brain. Um, it was it was like a breakdown of Disney princess stories or something like that. It was a while back, and then she was talking about all these different things that she had found for research. Well, man, I don't know how she does anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, she does She does more research than anybody I know, and it's she always finds really, really good stuff. Um, the, the day that we recorded episode 48, I had all sorts of computer issues and we actually rescheduled for like three hours later and she's like, yay, more research time. And she came back with like 10 more links. You're that's amazing. How, that's how her brain works. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's good people. She is good. Um, we have, uh, Legitimine Games team currently working on a sci-fi co-op board game and a digital card game. That's kind of exciting. And, uh... I think this might be what we have. Oh, here's Kevin's list. Kevin's was, uh, he seconds table, uh, toast to tabletop. Uh, he likes Robotech, Akira, the fifth element. You guys talk about the multiple. Yeah. Yeah. The we multi- do. Akira's another, another good one. That's another, that's a big influence too, with the whole motorcycle scene. And you know, that was good stuff. Fifth element always. That's another one that if it comes on pretty much, it's going to stay on. Yeah. He also lists green lantern and Tron. Ooh. Wow. I don't know anybody else who liked Green Lantern. <laughs> well, I, I have a feeling it might not necessarily okay. be the uh, movie. Yeah, okay. Probably more the comic book. Okay. Yeah, that was a swing and a miss, most people's opinion. It also panned in uh, Deadpool. <laughs> That's true. It is true. Well, that was a fun romp through all of our favorites and things. A lot. <laughs> Exhausted. Yeah. No, we've been recording for a while. This is going to be one of the longer ones. Uh, but that's okay. It's the fifth. It's giant size. Yeah. And thank you, thank you, thank you for making me, uh, letting me be a part of this. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, I couldn't imagine uh, anybody else coming on on number fifty. Oh, I don't know about that. I think uh, you know Ray could have done it. The WEC people could have done it. The average, he should have had them all. Just put them all in one room. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the that was that was part of the decision making. It's like there are a lot of people who have been part of the the show already that that have contributed to it. But I was kind of like, but you know, Nick hasn't been on it, so it's something new. And uh, and you really are one of our biggest cheerleaders. So so that's kind of why I was hoping you'd be able to do it. Uh, well, I, you know, like I said, I appreciate it, and I will continue to listen as long as you continue to record. Yeah, absolutely. All right, shout-outs, Nick. Uh, everybody we mentioned, so all those podcasts that we mentioned, um, my my lovely, beautiful, blushing bride, Stacia, who's a really, really great author and a fantastic mother to uh, Brandon, our third member of our podcast. So it sounds a little weird to shout out to your family, but they're, they're awesome. Um, and, uh, I mentioned Luis Guzman earlier. I did have a Twitter exchange with him this week. So, um, so shout out to him and then, uh, go is go rate this podcast on iTunes. I don't, that's all I can tell you. And then go read our books and go geek com. Yeah, definitely check it out. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And I see you have a, an episode dedicated to the, the, uh, ADHD D&D, is that right? 
<laughs> I recorded so I edited so much D and D while I was on the road last week. <laughs> so yeah, so we tend to do about thirty ish minutes of D and D per episode. Um, if you guys like listening to people play D and D, the first couple are a little rocky because we were trying to figure out roll twenty, but I think we got the hang of it now. And um, it's yeah, it's a good time. It's a little um, there's some language. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely enjoy playing and, and appreciate everybody's feedback on what they like and, and don't like so far about what we do. Very good, very good. I'd like to send a shout out to um, again everybody who has made uh, these 50 episodes possible. Um, all the supporters out there, you, Nick, um, definitely the group of podcasters that we've kind of gathered into our little collective. And uh, I just want to thank everybody from the bottom of my heart for letting us uh, be in your ears for, for over a year now. So coming up next week, we're hitting episode 51. We're, we're now past the first milestone. And we'll be talking to writer and artist Yehudi Mikado about his comic Hero Hotel. So that should be all the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under a Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. You can currently find us at geektitude.com as well as iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and most other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at geektitude or me personally at Epic Grays. Nick, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Nick underscore Kelly, K-E-L-Y. Uh, you can find our podcast, the Geek Wolfpack Podcast at Geek Wolfpack Pod on Twitter, because it's short and names, and uh, Facebook, Geek Wolfpack Podcast, and on, um, what am I missing? Email, geekwolfpackpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and if you want to see, listen to me and any of my writing and all that other stuff, it's just nickkelly.com. Very good, very, very good. Thank you so much for hanging out with me this morning, Nick. It's a blast, man. Uh, finally, so happy to finally get to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> right, not on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> our, our conversations go on for <laughs> pages. Yeah. All right, and for all of you listening out there, remember this week, keep it geek.